Billy, you should run for class president. Oh, what good can one person do? What good can one person do? Cobra Commander! I used to be just like you, Billy. Worthless, weak, and pathetic. But then I came forward and became the most dangerous man in the world through my own force of will. So you think I should run for class president? No! You should eliminate the competition and declare yourself overlord of this middle school! Now we know. And knowing is half the battle! Cobra! Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday number 33. This episode of Comics Monthly Monday was made possible by a generous donation from Brian Sievert in memory of his Aunt Gail, who began and nurtured his love of comics. Aww. Aww. I think that's sweet. That is that is sweet. I think that's it very is. Sweet. It's almost as sweet as the sweet, sweet money. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank I you. I just, Brian. yeah, the, the personal thank you for that. It, uh, it really helps. So before we get any further into this, let's introduce ourselves. I am Scott Gardner. I'm Chris Honeywell. And I'm Mike Bailey, and I had a shitty day. <laughs> and he's and, gonna take it out on all of us. I just gotta say, Mike Bailey, this is my first time hearing you on on your new microphone, <laughs> and you sound like a, a different person. It's amazing. It's actually, you sound like Scott with a little deeper voice. Yeah, I'm digging it. It might uh, cause uh, some confusion at first, but <laughs> I'm digging it. I don't quite know how to take that, but okay. No, um, it is back to school here in Georgia. Uh, the county that I live in and the next county over, uh, they both go back to school tomorrow as of our recording. And uh, I work in an office supply store. Ooh. Parents are impatient sons of bitches. So last two days have been pretty bad. So for the first time on any podcast that I've been on, I'm cracking a beer. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it is my... Yingling traditional lager, which is my favorite beer. I thought that was a panda. <laughs> I'm, it, it, this is so classy. It's usually Scott. Scott's drinking like a Bartles and James wine cooler, and I'm drinking like Clorox bleach. You know, or it's always something really cheap. Or whatever I else get too high. Whatever, whatever have, else is uh, under the not bathroom only don't sink. Don't I have any any alcohol? But uh, I have once again managed to kick. The soda habit. I am soda free. I have been soda oh, good free for, you. for yeah. I don't know, at least I'm a, a month or so. So yeah. 
I was soda free for like three years, and I've fallen off the wagon since then. I did too, and I I found myself constantly every time we were podcasting, I was drinking like a two liter of you know mountain <laughs> Jesus you know, like Christ. a mountain you know mountain horse piss or whatever from Publix. Right. So it was right. like <laughs> the, the, the generic battery acid yeah. version of Mountain Dew. And yep, you know, yep, not yep. only was it adding to the bottom line, but it's just, you know, it beca- it becomes a habit, you know? You just, you, you gotta have, so... Is that what you call your gut? The bottom gotta, line? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna tell you, Scott, I completely agree, because uh, every day I go to work, and about an hour into work, I start craving a 20-ounce Coke. Yep. And I'm trying to get it to that's the only soda I drink. So even if I'm at home... I, um, I w- I'm going to try not to drink soda. Uh, I'm having a beer tonight, but you got to understand that the six-pack that this beer came from, I bought like two weeks ago, and it was the first six-pack I had bought since November of last year, which was the first six-pack I ever bought while being with my wife, and we've been together for 12. So I don't drink all that often, but God damn it, I need a beer. <laughs> Uh, now, is beer your your drink of choice? Yeah, I prefer beer. I'm not a big wine person, and I'm not a big liquor person, though I, though I do like rum and Coke, like, a lot. So, I like the tequila, if I'm good at Tequila or some mixed drink with tequila. vodka in it. Yeah, I like vodka. Ooh, tequila's a good fighting drink. Damn it, now I need some <laughs> I <don't>. vodka. <laughs> now, that's, maybe that's what, when we get all the all of the podcast buddies together someday in the room I'll, I'll break out some I'll get some I'll get some like Sammy Hagar Cabo Wabo I, you, I actually I know a guy who owns a Mexican lit you don't need liquor on top of that so yeah, yeah, yeah if if I was doing a show and I was hitting liquor on it I wouldn't be mixing the two because then you would just hear like gurgling noises from the other side of <laughs> I, I, dr- I drink so rarely that yeah, if I was going to do it, I would be doing it carefully, measuredly, and I would still be a pathetic mess, you know, by the end of all of it. Um, more so, you mean? <laughs> yes, a more pathetic mess, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have one more thing to bring up before we really get into the comics stuff, because it is Comics Monthly Monday, and it would not be Comics Monthly Monday if we did not discuss fast food joints um, uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. of... When the fuck did a small become a medium, and a medium become a large, and a large come become a fucking depth charge size? <laughs> it become like Extra yeah, like big a, ass fries, like a, like a big lots thing that can, you need a hand yeah. truck to get to your car. Yeah, <laughs> or as or as uh, Dennis Miller once said, they bank a t- back a tanker truck up to your house, jam a nozzle down to your throat and start irrigating you like some Tennessee water authority. No, I, I went to, uh, Dennis Miller was awesome in the late 80s and the early 90s. No, I went to Wendy's tonight to get dinner for my wife and I because I'm just I was running late we didn't really have a, a large time, uh, like a huge time to cook, so I got a meal and they're like, do you want a small, medium or large? Now I'm, like I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to think a, a little, you know, I'm 35. I don't need to be cramming crap down my throat like I used to. So I said a small, and they handed me a fucking medium. And I almost said, is this a medium? And then I looked at the large, uh, like the, the medium and the large size cups. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. No wonder this country has a fucking weight problem when McDonald's and Wendy's and all it's, these places are dictating what the sizes are. Because it used just, to be... 
soda from a fountain is so cheap that they can afford yeah. to do it. And they're yeah. all just in a in a it, that it, but that change you know the thing about it is as we as a nation get larger, you know I I notice this like I've I've had a a, a thirty pound gut that comes at ebbs and flows and comes and goes <laughs> and all that you know what I mean <laughs> it's there and it's gone and then now it I'm thinking back of a again. horror movie in the vein of the hand except it's the, the hand gut or that the comes thing, and goes it is it, it lives under my bed a lot of the times but every once in a while it creeps up and attaches itself to me I would go oh. see that in three <laughs> so I gotta ask though is that Barry Windsor Smith's stomach. Since it was his hand doing all the art in that movie, is that his stomach in the in, in the gut? <laughs> yeah, it's a Just stunt asking. stomach. Yeah, it's a stunt gut. <laughs> stunt gut. <laughs> but a stunt gullet, and and uh, yeah, we hired a stunt gullet for for all the the, the close ups. But um. Well, here's the thing: it, the more you eat, your stomach expands. So I think yeah. as Americans expand, that their stomachs expand, and you can actually, you know, you actually have to shovel more of it in to actually feel full. Oh, and then you know, and then there's the whole emptiness inside that we all have that everybody. <laughs> yeah. To to here's the thing that surprises me: that you guys are saying that these places are voluntarily upsizing. You know, they're they're, well, they're doing it with the, the cheapest stuff that they got. It, it, right, it, but that still amazes me because I remember one of the things that I remember being very uncool with when I had my stint with Frito Lay, and they continue to do this to this day. You'll notice about every two years or so, Frito Lay will very quietly downsize the size of your average bag. So you might be buying, you know, the you know, three dollar Doritos that are whatever size they are. I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, yeah, say, price, say it's you know eighteen ounces or whatever. That yeah, exactly. The price will stay the same, but they'll quietly sneak the size of that bag down just a couple ounces, and they do this every couple well, of years. Ice cream does that too. So, yeah. so I'm actually amazed that these places are instead actually giving you the next biggest size. Is there a price difference? I mean, are they hiking yeah. the price? No, I mean, but it, but but Chris is right. When I worked at a, I, I worked at a number of convenience stores when I was in my early twenties, and the one thing I learned uh, pretty quick is that syrup for soda is and the water cheap. to mix it is cheap. You're actually paying for a cup more right, than you're right. paying for the soda that's inside right. of it. But the thing that that upsets me is that. It's not that I think, you know, something should be done to this. I'm not saying any laws should be passed. Here's what bugs me, though, is that it makes me, like, more nostalgic for my youth than I would. Because it's like when you used to get a small at, like, McDonald's, it was like a little 8-ounce cup. And you got a small fries and those little... that Right, little it made you package. feel like a little girl or something, you yeah. know? <laughs> and if you're wanting to eat... Not healthier, because if you want to eat healthier, don't eat at McDonald's. But if you're trying, if you're at like a McDonald's with a bunch of people and you're trying to eat some, you know, like a smaller yeah. portion, that's right. It pisses me off that it's like, okay, you can have the small and it's like what a medium used to be, and that's not what I want. So then you have to get the kid size. It just bugs me. And it, and it just, it's like they handed me the drink and I almost wanted to go, no, really, give me a small. Well, you know, on that subject of passing laws and stuff, you know, the last thing I, I would want to do is 
you know, create more laws and more fascism in this country and shit like that. But, you know, one thing I, I actually wish there was some sort of rule or, or law is that as someone who honestly is trying to eat healthier and eat better and everything, you know, there really is no alternatives for people that are trying to eat healthier because I'll give you the perfect example. Oh my God. It's so funny because it's just like, Scott, you and I are just like going to be talking in mirror universes of how we usually talk. <laughs> Cause <laughs> I'm going to be the personal responsibility guy. Who's like, Hey, you know, let, let the restaurants do whatever they want. You got to, You know, no, I no, mean, I, I, I'm fine with that. But I think that, you know, short of saying that they should be forced to do it, I, I just wish that there were more alter alternatives. You know, that if they're going to offer you the the Whopper and the Big Mac and you know the right. chicken fries and all this shit that's absolutely no damn good for you at <laughs> all, right. and it's a heart attack in a package, that they should offer just as many alternatives that aren't going to immediately kill you. You know. And really, what do they have? What do they currently offer you through a drive-through window or whatever? Is well, a fucking is, salad. So, I can't some, eat a salad while I'm sailing down the interstate at ninety miles an hour. You know, well, I just they also can't. give I'm you sorry. they also give you a salad with r ranch dressing, which automatically makes it into right. a big pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but the so, but my argument to that is, it's better that you eat the salad than the cheeseburger, even if they have the same caloric intake, right. because on a nutritional level. The right. lettuce, the tomatoes, the vegetables are going to be better for <laughs> you. Technically, a, a bit better that for you. And you, you know, but my point is, is you know, you, you run out the door for work, you know, and and you're on your way to work, and you got just enough time to probably get to work on time, and manage a healthy quick healthy food's the, expensive, man. And, yeah, no manage shit. Manage a quick trip through the through the drive through. What alternatives do you have? You know, you, you've typically got your, you know, you've got your McDonald's, your Burger King, your Taco Bell, your Wendy's, and that's it. None of those places offer you anything that is honestly worth a shit for you at all. And uh, I some of them have like should. a plastic package full of apples or something like that. But, you know, whatever. Or like they'll have yogurt with fruit in it. But that yogurt is made from pure whole milk cream. Yeah, I was about but, to but say. Again, that, I mean, you, know, you can't eat, you can't eat a has yogurt added sugar. while you're driving down. You know, that's what I'm saying is that right. all, of the, all of the crap that's killing us, not only is it cheaper and everything and, and more convenient because it's everywhere, but it's because easy to eat. It's easy to consume. You can, you can honestly... Wolf it's, it's, down a, a, a Big Mac while you're driving your car. Right. You can't well, eat well, a salad and drive. Well, that's the bottom. That that's the bottom line. Not to get too philosophical about it, but that's the bottom line of the whole thing. Is it's the lifestyle that that we have come to live in America, where you're on the you know where you have to eat in your car and you have to eat on your on the run all the time, just out of out of practicality. You know, if you want to eat healthy, the problem the the problem or the the complication of it is. You have to plan it, you know, right. so you would have to, you know, make up some carrot sticks, you know, the night before and toss them in some ice water in the refrigerator and, and throw them in a cup and off you well, go into the, the car to, to eat them and stuff. But it takes it takes a, you know, you have to work it into your schedule and right. your routine in order to do stuff like that. That's and the it's other hard reason for people why to do that. Yeah, well, I agree. That's the other reason why we're a nation of big fat bastards is because it's time consuming <laughs> to do all that shit. I don't have time to stand around and chop up fucking carrots. And then on the other side, 
I don't want to eat fucking carrots. That's I what you got. <laughs> so the the, taste there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we found the heart of this argument. <laughs> right. You know. I mean, what's everything that's good for you and not going to kill you? Why does it have to taste like shit? Why does it, it doesn't? It doesn't. But in order to not make it taste like shit, it it's, takes it's, work. It's fucking rabbit food. I don't want rabbit food. I want a, I want something that's going to fill my stomach, but it's also not going to kill me because I'm eating it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's no. that's the real Un problem. Is that Un healthy shit is more expensive, more time consuming, and it tastes like crap. And that's why people aren't doing it. But you know what's really funny about that is it is more time consuming and that's kind of like the heart of the entire issue that we are on the run too much and that we do need to relax, right. calm down. Right. So it's almost like if you if you eat healthier, you're going to have a somewhat healthier lifestyle because you're taking time out of just going here, there, here, there and and, and doing something kind of for yourself. That's okay. why... And, and I hate talking about this because it makes everybody jealous. But, you know, when you live the lifestyle that I live, <laughs> where, where you don't have a real job and stuff, I've actually, like, for the last... Well, I had a medical problems with my gallbladder that forced me to to eat healthy for a long time. But, now, you know, now I have time to, like, go to the store and, like, plan a proper meal, you know, and, and, and cook it and stuff. And, uh... And I, I'm of the theory that even if you're not if you're not counting the calories and stuff, if you're eating food like all different kinds of food, and you're making them from the raw materials of what that food is instead of some processed glop, you're you're just gonna do better than if you're just eating pre-made stuff. And and the other big important thing is, you know, kids is to get a lot of exercise. What the fuck are we talking about, man? Where are the comic books? Yes. Holy um, shit, do, do you have a do you have any sage advice, oh master, for those of us that live in the real fucking world that don't have time <laughs> yeah, for all this? I do. I do. Get the fuck out of the real world, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Live ya. off the grid. Gardner, it's too late for you. Yep. You got the kids. It's yep. too late for you. It it's okay late. though. You're you're you, you know. It is yeah, too late you're, for me, you, son. It, you're, you're caught in the drudgery of, of the workaday world. But, oh, you I wouldn't know. call it drudgery. Yeah, I love well, it. But it's at Disney. I, let me finish, man. But it's at Disney, so you're, you're, you're a lucky dog. Mike, <laughs> you and your wife, you just, you, you guys need to, you guys, I, I could see you guys being total candidates for like Bonnie and Clyde cross country. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll take that as a compliment. Sir. It wasn't my idea, but you know that's what I I could see. <laughs> Whose idea was it? <laughs> you tell them when when you're in court. Tell them it was the dog's idea. <laughs> it was all Boo's idea. <laughs> Boo is a master criminal. So there that's you how you know you're going insane is when your dog starts telling you to kill. I would watch that on court TV. I'm telling you, I I. TiVo the Especially whole when they pulled out Boo, you know, everybody would be expecting <laughs> some pitbull, but it's just like, man. I'd be watching that going, I can't, I can't wait till this is a movie. <laughs> it's the little squirrely ones you gotta watch, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Well, I agree with you. I think it's time to talk us some funny books, so uh, as promised, <laughs> folks, we are finally, finally digging back into the world of The Walking Dead, and we're going to kick off the show with not one, 
but two comics of The Walking Dead. We're going to jump right into Walking Dead number 36. Now, this one, of course, is by all the usual folks, um, Kirkman and all them. So I'm not going to bother to go. I'm just going to dive straight into the meat of the story. So we left off with uh, Martinez is missing. And Rick is convinced that he has left to return to the town of Woodbury and inform the people there of the location of the prison Rick's group has made their home and safe haven. So Rick commandeers Dale's RV and races out of the gate after him, intent on stopping him by any means necessary. Rick catches up with Martinez and mows him down with the camper. Broken and bloodied, Martinez tries to tell Rick that he simply wanted to give the good people of Woodbury the same chance at life and safety that those in the prison have, but Rick, remembering the horrors that he, Glenn, and Michonne faced in Woodbury at the hands of the governor, isn't buying this, and he proceeds to choke Martinez to death with his bare hands. Back at the prison, we get some nice character moments between the remaining survivors, including Glenn asking Herschel for his blessing and asking Maggie to marry him, which Herschel is only too glad to give, provided Glenn doesn't get Maggie pregnant. Axel and Tyrese work on cleaning up bodies, and Axel asks about Michonne. Tyrese confesses he doesn't really know what's up with her, and he expresses regret at having messed up the good thing that he had going with Carol. Rick returns and tells the others nothing other that he didn't bring Martinez back with him and that he's calling a meeting. Glenn proposes to Maggie, and after a bit of teasing, she accepts. Alone in their cell, Rick and Lori talk, and Rick tells her about going after Martinez and that he realizes that he is changing. He tells her how he uh, has begun to quote-unquote rank people, and that ultimately, given the right circumstances, he'd kill any and all of them to to keep his family safe, and he fears that he is becoming an evil person. Later, with the full cast assembled, Rick holds his meeting and throws down the gauntlet. The people of Woodbury are going to be coming for them eventually, he figures, and Rick is determined that the group is going to be ready for them. And that's Walking Dead number 36. I liked this issue. It didn't it didn't have a whole lot of action or anything, but uh, it had some great character development in this. Probably the most, the, the biggest one, the obvious one, the, the, the one that was the real, like, holy shit of the issue was Rick himself, where he, you know, we really see him lose his shit. And he literally strangles Martinez to death with his bare, I actually said hands. It would be hand. Cause it would now, be bare hand. Yes. Yeah, bare hand, yeah. <laughs> Bare-handed. <laughs> But that uh, that double page spread of Rick standing over mm-hmm. the dead Martinez in the field while the Walking Dead slowly approach the body is just great and it's haunting because Rick, until the conversation later with Laurie, really does not show any remorse for what he's done. I mean, later we see that it did affect him, but he also says you know something to the effect that he did what had to be you know what he felt he had to do. Yeah, I think he honestly doesn't have any remorse, and that's what's killing him. Right, yeah, he doesn't feel bad about it. Yeah, he killed a man today and doesn't really feel anything, you know, whereas at one time this probably would have been something that could have broken him. Now it's just another day in the life, you know, of of the world they live in. That's That would be scary. Well, it's funny that you say that because... There's been a lot of like insane action in The Walking Dead up until this, and and there's this pattern of like insane action, and then you have quote unquote day in the life 
comics, you know, a few words, just sort of character beats and, and, you know, the story moving forward slowly, but, you know, not a lot of bloodshed and stuff. And this is one of the, but a day in the life is, yeah, mowing a guy down with a, with a, with a camper and then finishing him off with your bare hands. Yeah. What did you think, Mike? <laughs> uh, I really liked the issue mainly because I'd like to think, and this is going to sound really weird, that given the circumstances, I could be like Rick. Bonnie Clyde crime spree. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Rick is an extremely pragmatic individual in this, mm-hmm. in this series. And... I, I think when you have a situation like these people are in, you have to be pragmatic about the situation. You can't think, oh, it's going to get better because all signs point to fucked. You know, yeah. you're, <laughs> it's not going to get better. But if we're going to survive and I swear to God, I'm, I'm the same thing with Rick. You know, I do anything to protect my family. So I see where he's coming from. But at the same time, I think that's how he has to be. Uh, the the other things I really liked, uh, I loved uh, Herschel giving his consent for 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 God. Why can't I remember the character's name? Glenn and Glenn, Maggie for Glenn marrying Maggie. I mean, it was just because Herschel has been kind of a hard ass this entire time, and I think this is like this isn't the first time, but this is one of the first time where he smiled and hugged him and is just like welcoming him into the family. And that was just kind of cool. And I love the look on Glenn's face when Maggie says, I don't know, can I think about it? Yeah. That, that just, Adler just nailed that, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> and him messing with her and all that. I mean, it was just it was just a really, really touching scene in this really serious and intense issue. Well, you know, and- Herschel's lost a lot of family, so now, you know, I'll bet you it was just <laughs> nice for him to gain some... <laughs> family back really because and stuff like this tends to break down those hard-ass people you know a little bit but the thing is you know what rick did he had to do it doesn't matter that he's like i was gonna bring the good people here that's not the fucking point (laughs) the point is is that if the governor is still alive he's going to be in charge and martinez is gonna get found out you know, it, 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 so if Martinez was on the level about, you know, like, I'm just going to bring the good people here. Well, no, the resources are stretched thin as it is. We don't need any more people in and, our little group. And that, even if that's what he wanted to do, Rick couldn't trust him to be able yeah. to do that. You know, why? even even if that's what Martinez wanted, you know, Rick's why take that risk that that he might not be that he probably he probably wouldn't be able to pull it off. So, yeah, you know, I mean, the thing about it is I. And I'm sure Rick, that's why he has no regret. If he had, if there had been like a real moral dilemma, a true moral dilemma about whether he should have gone and got, he wouldn't have ran to the camper and gone yeah. out and got it. He would have, he would have, you know, fussed about it a little bit and, and, well, you know, agonized over it. But no, he got in the van and did what he had to do and then agonized over it a little bit later, you know. And and here's the other well he's a cop that that's yeah. kind of what they do but but here's the other thing if Martinez was on the level he should have gone to Rick and said let's plan a rescue effort not sneak out right which makes it look like you have something to hide 
you know, him saying this now is like I'm trying to cover my own ass. No, you don't understand. Don't kill me. I, you know, I, I was just trying to bring the other people here. If it was, you know, Rick, let's talk. Hey, you know, there are some good people in that town that deserve to be here. And then, you know, everyone could have kind of decided collectively. But no, he fucking ran off. I mean, <laughs> that looks bad. That looks like you are trying to trying to get away with something. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I had no problem with Rick killing this guy. It had to be done. And I know that sounds harsh, but... No, not really. Not in the context of yeah. The Walking Dead, for sure, you know? I think you just made a good point, because that was that was the big thing I wanted to discuss out of this issue, was did anybody feel bad for Martinez, or you know, did anybody buy into what he was saying? Because... I read some of the dialogue of, of what he was saying about, you know, he just wanted to, you know, that there were good people there, you know, and we even saw that, you know, with the old woman that was concerned for her little boy and all that. So oh, not everybody there was the people there were probably just normal, decent people. You right. Know? But as Mike says, you know, the simple fact that Martinez didn't go to anybody in the group and say, Hey, you know, there's, there are good people like that sweet little old lady back in Woodbury. Can we do something for him? And instead chose to just run off, makes him look incredibly guilty. It makes him look like he was an agent of the governor, even though he did not oh, yeah. hear, you know, in his dying breaths, you know? Well, that's sort of how I felt about Martinez was just like, Oh geez, you know, he was shaping up to be a sort of a good guy, but it looks like, uh, that's not the case. And, and then you start thinking about it. <clears throat> and who knows? He could have had a daughter that the governor was threatening or something, you know, and could have been a good guy and been in a bad situation that he was trying to get out of by, you know, fi- getting intelligence on the prison or or whatever. But, yeah, it was just sort of like, yeah, it's a shame he has to die. <laughs> but there was no question in my mind that that Martinez had to go. I would have done it, too. And interesting. I, and I, Very interesting. Yep. To me, sometimes the morality of The Walking Dead is a, the stories in The Walking Dead is a little more cut and dried than it is to the characters. You know, I mean, right. I totally understand why they do, you know, some of the stuff they did. And there's sometimes where you go, oh, holy shit, that's really fucked up. But at the same time, everybody's really fucked up. So sometimes there's going to be, you know, and you know, and in the future in here, there's some pretty brutal stuff that happens. But at, you know, and and at no point in time was uh, was I ever like, you know, okay, that's a little bit out of control, you know. As far as people who do things to for the good of the group in in these stories, you know. You know, the fact of the matter is the the reason their group works is because everybody in it is very, very moral, you know, in the, in one way or another. They're all very moral and and loyal. And uh, so that's what sort of holds their their group together, you know, even though that uh, they would all think of themselves as, like Rick does, you know, say, you know, I'm sure um um, was it Andrea that that Dale was was with? Uh huh. You know, I mean, Andrea, Andrea and Dale were sort of a unit. They were sort of like, you know, if if all everything goes to shit and there's no other choice, you and I are getting the hell out of here. You know, right? 
And I think pretty much almost everybody would be like that with whoever they were hooked up with and their family and stuff like that. But it wouldn't be until the very bitter end. So, you know, you're finding their group and and their group is uh, with these moral people. It's because they're all really tough moral people. But a lot, most of the other groups that are out there are groups that are working because they're completely immoral and ruthless. So... Right. It's a very, very interesting dynamic. It's a very black and white dynamic for a book that seems on the outside to be shades of, of moral gray. You know. Yeah. <coughs> oh, we want to go on to the next one. Oh yeah. Oh, that's me, isn't it? It is you. All right. Well, uh, just like you said on on the last one, it's the same, same cast of character, same, you know, cast of creators, and um. Um, we begin with uh, I don't I wouldn't say it was a dream, but lo- you know uh, it's a scene of Laurie and uh, Shane uh, Flashback. building the beast with two backs out by the <laughs> by the side of the throughway, and uh, Laurie's sort of ha- and we see Laurie sort of hanging out in bed with Rick, and she's like torturing herself thinking about it, and um, she had an affair with Shane way back in the beginning, you know, while Rick was in a coma or while they thought Rick was in a coma. So Rick's sort of clueless, and he's just sort of worrying and making plans for the coming baby, you know, that he wants to build a bassinet or something. And then we get sort of like the last one, just sort of a, like a daily slice of life. And, and from the way it seems, this is goes over the course of days, you know, a few days in the row. And, uh, uh, you know, we see Carol poking around the infirmary to sort of check out the new doctor and make friends with her and... Uh, Patricia and Billy are discussing, you know, how they feel about Otis dying and uh, whether they were going to the wedding that was coming up, which in the next scene, there we are in uh, in the wedding. And uh, Maggie and Glenn become man and wife in the, in the lovely prison cafeteria cathedral. And, uh, of course, a honeymoon shortly ensues. We see at night Michonne come uh, crawling into bed with uh, Tyrese and she's just sort of sobbing and and spooning with him and uh, the next day there's a basketball game in the gym and then we see Rick and Tyrese and Dale uh, in the armory of the prison and they're they're taking stock of the weapons and they decide there's not enough weapons there if the bad guys come knocking at the door from uh, Woodbury so they decide to send Glenn, Maggie, Tyrese and uh, Andrea in Dale's van to find a National Guard armory that they know is nearby, but they don't really know where it is. So, uh, you know, then we see at the end, it's sort of like a bookend. Rick's going to bed with Lori, and uh, she takes the opportunity to just sort of blurt out that she wants to have a talk with him about Shane. And there's um, talk about looks on your faces in the last one with Glenn. Yeah, Rick's got that same sort of uh, thing going on in this one. Yeah. But yeah, uh, 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 sort of a lot of, you know, a wedding and, uh, you know, uh, uh, apparently a wife coming clean on her infidelity and stuff are sort of big deals, but not compared to all the death and misery. So it's it's another just sort of day, day by day routine and a, and a little bit of setup. But I, I don't know. I really like these issues, you know, I, like I, I really the- like the way he develops characters. I like this one a lot. My only beef with this issue is that 
you know, I mean, they're really going to do it on the roadside just outside the city of Atlanta during a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, this does not seem like a good time to get it on in in the field off the side of the road. You know what I mean? I mean, I what, don't want to I don't want to be hip deep and pussy and then have like a zombie shuffle on up. I mean, yeah, bite your ass while you're yeah getting it on. Yeah. <laughs> Or worse. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then it becomes a trauma movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that seem might seem nitpicky, but every time I read this particular issue, that's the that's the thought that occurs to me but every that's the time. That's thought that occurs to me too, so don't yeah. worry. It just seems uh you know, talk about your unsafe sex. That's about as unsafe as it gets right there. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe it was a quickie. Maybe Shane's one of those thirty-second wonders. You know, I mean, I mean, at least do reverse cowgirl, so you can both keep an eye on. You know, exactly. <laughs> now I wonder. I wonder if that shit. I'll bet. Uh, yeah, I'll bet you in The Walking Dead that shit is going on. <laughs> they actually they have more three ways because that way you can have. have There's always somebody with an eye out. Yeah, yeah. All right, go. Okay, <laughs> you're on watch. <laughs> but other than that, in the scene where uh, where we finally see Michonne show some emotion, you know, where she crawls into bed with Tyrese and just kind of looks like she just kind of sobs herself to sleep. You know, other than that, I don't really have a whole lot to comment on this issue. It was a good one; it moved the story along, but it wasn't, you know. Nothing huge happens in this one, I didn't think. It, it was more setting up for, you know, the what's presumably gonna be a huge discussion in the next one, you know, with the with the cliffhanger ending and all. And I I agree with you. I like the look on Rick's face. He's like, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> See, I take it that Rick is probably thinking she wants to talk to him about him killing Shane. Because uh, I it's been so long since I've read this issue, the the next issue that I don't remember, but uh, but that's kind of what I got from that scene. I liked this issue too. I thought, like y'all were saying, you know, it moved the story along. We had some nice character moments. The wedding was kind of sweet. Uh, you know, characters were talking and interacting sometimes for the first time. Uh, I, I Tyrese is so amusing in the scene where Michonne comes in because at first he's like, uh, "Do you?" Do you want to have sex? Oh, oh, you're crying. Okay, I am totally... <laughs> look on his face in that final panel is I am totally unprepared to deal with you emotionally right now, but I'll hold you if it makes you feel better. Well, you know, in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, who wants to start dating a crazy girl? Although <laughs> Tyrese seems to... to Ty, yeah, Tyrese seems to be batting two for two so far in... in uh, in his post-apocalypse, yeah, this one can really kill him. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, this one also. Yeah, I don't know. I would. I. I think I would rather have a uh, a killer crazy girlfriend in the zombie apocalypse than you know a useless you know buckler under pressure one like his last woman. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, they're all crazy deep down. It's just a matter <laughs> of how close to the surface it is. I find it interesting that uh, Kirkman points out in the uh, letters column part, which honestly, I don't usually read the, the letters column all that closely, 
but it, this just happened to jump out at me here where he was answering somebody's letter and he he point blank says i don't think i ever said the book would end if rick died it could easily continue after his death yeah he said that a bunch of times yeah, in the, in yeah. the letters he was basically said really i just want to stress to you I don't know what's going to happen to you know to everybody in this but nobody's off the table nobody and nothing is off the table he, he, he and, said and you, you can come into this it. book years down the line and not recognize anybody in it you know right and and you really have to keep it like that otherwise you grow complacent as a reader i mean if you think you know well they're never going to kill rick then you always kind of look at, then then rick in danger doesn't have any drama to it but well, if the right point blank tells you, you know, he could die at any time, it's like, okay. <laughs> well, I think the masterful thing about Kirkman is he plays it a little both ways. You know that's on the table, but he's still always able to lull you into thinking, well, yeah, nobody's off the table, but Rick's off the table, or, you know, or this person's off, you know, Michonne isn't going to bite it because she's the coolest character or what you know, or whatever, and he'll lull you back into it, and then and then people will die, and then you'll be like, oh my god, that's right, oh my god, and then you'll see all the shocked letters from people going, I can't believe you killed so and so, and it's just like, why can't you believe that? <laughs> He's been telling you, <laughs> or they'll you know they'll complain about his choice of who gets killed, and it's sort of like. Well, you're missing the whole point because in the whole zombie apocalypse, nobody really has their choice of who's going to get killed next, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just sort of how it is. Well, in, in, in a zombie apocalypse and in life in general, you know, for, for the, you know, the vast majority of people. So um, I think he does a, a, a masterful job of, 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 you know, keeping it to the point of where you don't just write everybody off because you're like, ah, oh, they're all going to die anyway. Everybody's going to die anyway, so I'm not going to get attached to people. You you still get attached to people. And even the characters in the books are always saying, you know, I'm, you can't get attached to anybody really and you can't get attached to staying in a place, but they're humans and they keep doing it, you know. And no matter what what life throws at them or what Kirkman throws at them, at us they keep going back for more you know they still keep retaining some crumb of humanity no matter how altered it is or <laughs> mutated it becomes i love it <laughs> love me my walking dead i'm glad we got i'm glad we finally got back to it that's why we did it at the beginning of the show guys because yep. you know how we can talk we can and i'm hitting the Rip it, rip it, rip it, rip it. <laughs> Which is 99 cents for a, for a big, like, half liter thing of rip it. So, it, yeah, it's cheap rot gut energy drink. Well, before we segue into something else, does anybody uh, have anything else or need to take a break or anything? Or are we ready to just jump right into the rest of the episode? I say we go a little longer before we do a break, but we should do a break sometime so we can play commercials and fun stuff like that or whatever the hell we call cool. them <laughs> well this is oh, where we'll, we'll go into the what is normally the the opener the preamble part of the show where we just kind of talk about what's up with us in the world of comics since last episode so who wants to go first in this one because I, I got a bit of stuff to talk about so i don't mind going last in this one 
I got the only thing I got is I saw Captain America right before we started the show. Actually, probably a half hour <laughs> before the show. But that's my only comic-related. That could take that over the so entire far. segment. Do I we know. want to talk about Captain America? We could do it on a timer <laughs> and then just end it, or we could agree to do a do something where we just talk about Captain America at some time. I wouldn't mind doing that. I, I would rather do that like we did with the uh, the other movies that have come out, like Thor and X-Men, where we that, sit down maybe drag in a couple other people. That yeah, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. That totally works for me. I, I'll just mention that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I recommend it, and I think everybody should, uh, should get out there and see it. If you're a comic book fan, uh, especially if you're a Cap or an Avengers fan, Definitely get off your ass, get out there and see it. It's I'm uh, not it's a Cap or an Avengers fan and I and I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was great fun and yep. and um, all I'll say is what I really liked about it is they played it straight up. You know. Yeah, they, they it, didn't they didn't mock it, they didn't make fun of it, they didn't try to say it's cheesy. No, no. I mean, he was he was flat out honestly the all-American kid, you know. He was uh, you know, the he was just you know, a, 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 the good guy, and and it's it's very rare you see that character. He, you know, he wasn't a rogue or a scoundrel at all. You know, he was goody, Mister Goody Goody. And yeah, he wasn't driven off. by angst or dead parents or anything or, like or that. Or any yeah. any kind of crime. He just he just he was. You know, he had a little bit of like, okay, he's been bullied and he doesn't like bullies, or whatever. But it was just. He was straight up. He was a good guy. You know, he was one of those good guys, and everybody knows people like that. So, you know, I I like that. There wasn't, and and I thought it worked well. Joe Johnson's um, very good choice for World War II sort of visuals too. So <laughs> it, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Me, I'm I I think the movie that's gonna make my brain explode is gonna be Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I'm gonna be watching that real soon, and I cannot wait. Me either. Me either. What do you got, Mike? Well, I got a couple of things. Um, I went to the comic shop yesterday, finally, after trying to do so for three days and keep getting and kept getting sidelined, uh, mostly by work. I picked up, I was very happy to get these, five early issues of Superman Family, uh, 167 to 171 for two bucks a piece. Nice. They some of them are not in the best of condition, but they're eminently readable. Uh, I mainly picked up 171 because I was a guest star on Batgirl to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast hosted by Stella, um, who is one of my cohorts on the Spider-Man Crawl Space. And this Superman family 171 has a story in it with Supergirl and Batgirl teaming up. And uh, I'm gonna open it up and, and go to the page in question and and, and describe it for everyone that hasn't read this because basically what happens is that um, Supergirl gets thrown in some water is injured and Batgirl dives in and, and saves her gives her mouth to mouth yeah. oh, and yeah. when that doesn't work out drags her over to a car and forces her mouth onto the gauge oh yeah and there is a panel where she is rubbing her belly like she's about to take off her shirt. Mm -hmm. Says, Batgirl, I've been running into you a lot lately. You sure know how to fill up a girl's lungs. Yeah, um, please please scan that and send that to me, and I'll have a little Photoshop fun with that. Please. Okay. 
Um, the really funny thing about being on that episode was we were she was going over the credits and she says inked by Vinnie Coletta. And I said, oh, God, and I started complaining about Vinnie Coletta. And she just very deadpan says, the inking is not the weirdest part of this, ish- of this story. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice to have those because I've been working steadily on my run of, um, of Superman Family. And I keep finding them cheap. So, so I hope that, uh, that continues because there are some actually really good stories in here. There are some really bad stories. Crypto, I'm looking at you. Oh! Yes, Crypto, I'm looking right at you. I also found something kind of cool. Now, uh, people who know me know I'm a fan of Superman. And, you know, some people like to collect the action figures, which I I have a lot of action figures. And some people like to get other kind of collectibles. For some reason, I really like having Superman trade paperbacks. Even if I have the issues already, I want to have them. I have a, I have a, our bookshelf is about six. Uh, Scott has seen the bookshelf. Uh, it's about six feet across, and like one of the shelves is nothing but Superman trades. And I, you know, I'm I'm the guy with five versions of Man of Steel, the John Byrne miniseries, and different iterations of being collected. But I was uh, I was at Dave's Comics in Fayetteville, and he was going through a couple collections that he just bought. And on the very top, I see this book marked Superman, the Man of Tomorrow. It's got kind of a silhouette of Superman standing there with his, you know, fists on his hips. And there's kind of a gold foil S symbol on it. And it says Superman, the Man of Tomorrow, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, Rick Veach, Kurt Swan, Kurt Schaffenberger, and George Perez. And I was like, I have never seen this trade. Well, I turned it on its side and I see that it's from Titan Books. And when I turned it over, it is £5.95. And it occurred to me that in my hands was a British black and white reprint of all of Alan Moore's Superman stories. Oh. So you have the, it starts off with the DC Comics Presents with Swamp Thing, then it has For the Man Who Has Everything, and then Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow in glorious black and white. I got this book for two bucks. Wow. Wow. I don't know if it's worth anything, but I didn't pay a whole lot for it. It's not like in super condition. It looks like it was like left in a damp area, which I guess if it's from England, it probably was because it rains there. But it's got on the back, uh, it says Superman has all the characteristics of a timeless myth, Umberto Echo. And Alan Moore opens up new dimensions and sets a new standards of excellent Michael Moorcock. So this thing is just neat to have. And the fact that it didn't cost me all that much is even better. I probably would have paid like 10 bucks for it just to have it. Because it's just, it's not something that you see everywhere. It's like, you know, you can get a hardcover of whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow that also contains uh, for the man who have ever, have, has everything. And I think the Swamp Thing story was reprinted in one of the Alan Moore's DC Universe collections. But just something like this is just, it means something to me to have it. And it's going to look really nice up on the shelf. Have you ever read that Swamp Thing story? No, I never have. I uh, think you'll I have dig it. it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I have it. Um, I've actually, this is another thing I wanted to kind of bring up. Based on our conversation last time, I, I, I took the little 
prestige format version of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow off the bookshelf and i started reading it again and i gotta tell you even though i still have like the same big problem with the story that essentially superman gave up i liked it upon rereading it and got so much more out of it than i ever have so i guess very quickly i'm gonna have to say i'm gonna have to take back a lot of the bad things that i've said about that story because, especially in light of the fact that we're getting another Superman reboot uh, currently, it, it's it's interesting to see a goodbye to a certain era. And you know what? I, I don't know if anyone else has said this. It's possible, so I'm not trying to take credit for it. But uh, I had to write a review recently for Action Comics number 903 for the Superman homepage. And it is part of this whole Reign of the Doomsdays storyline. And upon reading it, I had a lot of fun. And it, you know, it teamed up Steel and Supergirl and Superboy. And you have the Eradicator, uh, his mind being put into one of the Doomsday's bodies, because there's more than one Doomsday, thanks to Lex Luthor. And it occurred to me that in a weird kind of way, Reign of the Doomsday's is kind of like the goodbye to the previous era of Superman. Because it's like everyone going out on one last hurrah before the reboot. And uh, I'm really going to be interested to see the way that story uh, wraps up. And I'm interested if anybody else feels the same way that I do. uh, But the problem is, is that's only a Superman that's been around only a couple of years since Infinite Crisis. No, I see it as a a goodbye to the previous era because of Steel and the Eradicator and Superboy being in there too. See, even though the the timeline's changed a bit, it doesn't feel like it in this story. This could be the same Superman that existed before Infinite Crisis, hmm. in a weird way. And again, that could be me seeing something that's not there, but that's just that's just how I feel about it. Uh, my final thing is the uh, they they revealed the Superman costume for the new movie, and uh, I like it. Uh, it's got a big old S on his chest, which was one of my bigger complaints about the previous Superman film. All I have to say is, oh, 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 oh. yeah, he does look like Elvis, I think. <laughs> well, he'd no. make a, he'd make a good looking uh, Captain Marvel Junior. I'll give him that. My wife doesn't like the hair either. Um, but really, overall, the way the cape flows looks really awesome. Uh, the boots look kind of cool. He doesn't appear to have the red trunks, which isn't a deal breaker to me. Uh, my wife just yelled from the other room, his hair's too poofy. I told you she didn't like it. It is too poofy. Um, it is, um, but it's not the first time we've seen a Superman with slicked back hair. So Well, it's a still photograph, too, in, in like... Yeah. You know, so who who knows how it? I'm me. I'm just worried about the story and the direction and all that. I'm not as much worried about the actors or anything like that. I'll bet you it's all going to be populated with really good actors and. Oh, it's got a great cast. It's got a fantastic cast. So, I like that image that they released because it looks just by the image, it gives the impression that okay, this one's going to have a more slam bam act, uh, actiony yeah. Superman in it. I like that angle. And, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those people that I, I know drives you nuts, Mike. You know, the ones that poo-poo everything before, before they know anything. Out. Yeah, before the movie's even out. So 
I, I don't want to be that way. There's things I liked in the picture. There's things I didn't like in well, the if, picture. If, but if, ultimately, if, to me, I, I'm, I side with Chris in that it all comes down to the story and everything else. But at this point, you know, I'm going to throw it out there as a distinct possibility that much like the recent Green Lantern film, I, I think I just might stay well clear of this movie. I, I I think it's shaping up very nicely to be something I'm not going to enjoy, and that's just going to send me off on another Dark Knight-style, you know, tirade. So, which of course than, everybody wants, but you. Right, and I know that, and I'm so tired of the of the dancing monkey routine that I, I'm serious. I, I think maybe, that I might just maybe we do should my, have a. T- Maybe we should have a telethon and see how much we can pay you to go see the new Superman movie. That's not a bad idea, actually. I'll be like Jerry Lewis. I'll stay up for like four days in a row just drinking power drinks, going like, like Slady. No, what what I told Scott the other night uh, was that I'll go, I'm going to see it, obviously. So I'll tell him if it's good or not or if it's something he would like because I think I, I know Scott's sensibilities at this point. Uh, where I can kind of peg something like that, or I may know he, he's going to hate it and go make him see it anyways and say it's wonderful and that I'll love it just to piss him off. I mean, what a wonderful... I would like to film a documentary of like the two of you going to see it in a movie theater. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Well, when Scott was still living Eating in this carrot area... sticks we- in the in the in the audience <laughs> and bitching about the movie. When Scott was still living in this area, we, we, had, we had a date to go see it but i guess we can't do that now because i ain't driving eight hours to go see a movie um we have some awesome movie theaters here i wrote <laughs> I, I rode in a bus for 24 hours to watch um you know tron legacy scott i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be completely honest with you i love you to death as a friend um i'm not coming to, to death dis- huh mike huh is that did the dog tell you that huh is that where you got that <laughs> the dog told me um I'm not. It. I'm not going to Disney in the in June. <laughs> I can't. I don't blame you for so, that. Is that uh, when this is due out in next June? Yeah, they they moved oh, the date. God. Do you hear? No, I. I it went. Honestly, from, I'm not paying any attention. Oh, okay. I'm really... Yeah, they 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 moved the date uh, to from winter 2012. You know, December to primetime summer season in 2013 and some people were like some people were like well do they not have faith in it i'm like no that shows they have faith in what they have because i mean the the directors the director and the producer are batting a thousand as far as box office and and critic and and well sucker punch yeah but i don't know if sucker punch might have made money though i don't think it did though but I don't know. It tells critic- me, and I'm not trying to be an ass, but it tells me that we're spending way too much time talking on a subject that's not even going to be relevant for what that's- at least another year yet. Because I mean, it's so far out. All we've got is is who's cast and one picture. You know, one still. So I, I didn't really want to get into it too much. I just wanted to get into the fact that I really liked what I saw. Right. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to be really disappointed, but when it popped up on the net uh, Friday, and I saw that S that looked like the Earth 2 Superman S. Yeah. And I was just like, that thing is fucking huge! It it gave me sort of a Fleischer Superman vibe, to be honest. I don't know why exactly, but I got a picture. A Fleischer cross... 
who's the guy who does the painting? The you know, Alex the, Ross. It has a little Fleischer cross with Alex Ross to it. Yeah. That's what I thought. I mean, yeah, I can forgive like everything going on with this movie so far. You know, from who's writing it, who's producing it, who's directing it. Some of the names I've seen attached to who's starring in the movie. I can forgive all that stuff. If ultimately it comes out and it doesn't have some just completely ridiculous story like Superman Returns, and it is instead, at its heart, a fun, lighthearted, Captain America-esque, slam-bam action fest, then I'll love it. I, I Because th- that's what I really want at this point out of a Superman movie. You know, because... The, the Reeves movies, as awesome as they were, the technology really wasn't there for the epic, you know, truly godlike beings to be throwing cars around and smashing buildings. And so, I mean, Superman 2 is an impressive movie for its time with that sort of thing, but still, they it's were. It's very limited. slow paced. Those fights exactly. look slow paced yeah. compared to what the, they were the coolest shit when they were hucking buses around, yeah. but. But what but they, they can do today, they did it very slowly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, what they can do today could be super impressive. So if they don't bog it down with some idiotic story and instead just make it pretty much an action or slugfest, then I- I'm there for that. But if it's you know some goofy, angsty, dark nighty type of thing, you know, then I'm just gonna avoid it like the plague because that's really what I fear. That I fear that's the direction that it's going. So. You see, I'm, 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 I now Zach, basically Zack Snyder. You're on my list, man. <laughs> Zack Snyder, I see you. I see what you're up to, and I don't like it. So. <laughs> So that's, I mean, I, I, I will admit that I, I truly am prejudiced against it because he's directing the movie. And Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan, I really don't have that much of a grudge against Christopher Nolan. I, I, I kind you know, I, well, I, I have it sort of like, then. I kind of sort of like the, his first Batman movie and the Dark Knight, whatever, but you know. His other movies that I've seen, I've I thought they were they were decent movies, you know. So I don't think he's like a complete hack like hack hack Snyder is. But yeah, I'm 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 just completely prejudiced. I I personally like he's he's in the Roland Emmerich section of my my um, hate Rolodex <laughs> that I carry around in the black <laughs> pit of my decks. soul everywhere. Yes, hate Dex. <laughs> My Kilodex. <laughs> what else so. did you have, Mike? Uh, that was it. All right. It was a big oh. old Superman week. I got some stuff here. Very first thing, I want to issue a comic shop alert. That's Uh-oh. right, a comic shop alert. This is a comic shop that I feel you just need to avoid. And oh. that would be one that I had previously praised, which was uh, Acme Superstore in Longwood, Florida. Um, I was really happy to uh, be going there for a while and be a regular customer there and all that sort of thing. But recently, long story short, I had occasion to go there and I took my youngest boy and he was looking for a particular action figure. And the the lady behind the counter, rather than, you know, wanting to assist a child with a toy, decided to yell at him instead. And uh, that was not cool with me whatsoever. I was pretty fucking what? pissed about it. So, Acme Superstore, you can kiss my ass. I will never what, set foot in your store again. Yeah. 
Because uh, evidently, whatever she was doing behind the counter was so much more important than, you know, assisting a child with a toy he was trying to find. So it really, it, it really infuriated me. And I'm actually surprised by the restraint that I had that day not to just totally go off on this woman in the middle of a store. Instead, I just, you know, that was it. We just left. But I was really pissed. I'm still really pissed. And, uh, you know, I was what really upset me even more than the incident itself was that I would bring it to the attention of the of the guy that owns and runs the place, and he would make absolutely no effort whatsoever to apologize or make it right or win me back as a customer. You know that that was the part. What did that, he say? Nothing. I I got no response. You know, I, oh, I went. Okay, so I, you emailed him. Now I went. Out, they have a, a, a Facebook profile, and I put something on there about it. And then the next day, one of the workers there sent me an email that they had taken it down. That they felt that was the inappropriate place for a comment like that, and that the proprietor would be getting in touch with me about the situation, which never happened. So that's that was my comic shop alert. On the other side. Uh, I have a new LCS. Actually, this is a place I have been going to for quite some time, and, uh, and it has really been my my uh, my main LCS just because it's closer, it's more convenient, and the people that run it, frankly, are much nicer, and I'm always impressed when I walk in there that they know me. They know my name, they know what I'm into and everything, and I've, you know, I mean, I really don't... Uh go there all that often you know i go about i'm in once. my email right now deleting the email i was sending to at acme comics asking him to be a sponsor now <laughs> yeah right so uh no, anyway i just have this image though scott that when you walk in from their perspective it's like the you know the t-1000 from terminator 2 where like all these like an led readout is on their screen and they're like a little circle appears over your face it says scott gardner likes dislikes favorite <laughs> foods but uh, the, the one that. i've been going to is uh, it's actually one that uh shag turned me on to as a matter of fact it's a uh, comic central up in uh, Sanford, Florida. I like this place a whole lot, and the guys that run it are super nice guys, and I always feel badly that they remember me and they know my name, and every time I go in there, I have to struggle to remember the, the fellow's names that run the place. But they have been really nice. They let me set up a box in there, even though I only get just a couple of titles, and uh, they're really nice. They, you know, they're always suggesting new things, and uh, they're up on their comics, man. They know what stuff's coming out and all that, and I, it's just a friendlier place, so... I've been going there. I very much enjoy it, and I highly recommend it. Plus, they have um, cheapy bins. You know, they've got, like, dollar bins and stuff of some really nice uh, back issues and stuff. It's where I got a lot of Superman stuff not long ago. So that's my new comic shop, and uh, I'm very happy to uh, to give them my business because they are a very good, very nice comic shop. So when in uh, Sanford, Florida, definitely check out Comic Central. And they have a really nice website, too. It's... Um, comic-central.com so go check them out tell them that uh two true freaks sent you over there um as far as stuff that i've got this month you know since last episode um well bat, right off the bat big thanks to uh listener kirk landry who i actually got to meet when uh, he and his family were here um just a couple months ago uh, we got to meet up briefly over in uh, Frontierland at uh, Walt Disney World, and uh, he was really nice. He was really cool to talk to, really big into um, comics, and just listening to the show and everything. 
And uh, he sent me a box totally out of the blue. I got it yesterday. I had no idea it was even coming. It had a, a Superman t-shirt in it, which was really cool. I was like, awesome. And uh, a bunch of Star Wars items that I will wait and discuss uh, when we do Star Wars Monthly Monday. And then even some horror comics in there that I'm actually going to forward on to Chris because I think they're more his thing than, than mine. So I, I like it. I like those. Yeah, what are they? Um, it was a couple issues of uh, I think it's the first two issues of the uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street magazine. Ooh, yeah, with Steve art Gerber. By, uh, oh, is it Steve Gerber? I just, I didn't look. He at wrote the, those issues. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't look at that, but I noticed that the art was uh, Alfredo Alcala, who I know that Ooh, Chris likes. Ooh, I like so, him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll be sending those on to you because I know that yeah. I think you'll really enjoy that stuff. Um. Probably my biggest thing for this time as far as the new stuff is, uh, guys, if you are not reading Planet of the Apes, you got to check it out. If you're an Apes fan, if you like the new movie, definitely get on board with this book because, damn, it's good stuff. Um, I was looking at the very last uh, couple of pages in the newest issue I've got. By, by the time you're listening to this episode, the, the next issue, number five, will probably be out already, but at... at the time of this recording the latest issue is number four just read it, it was great really really good stuff the uh the killer of uh the lawgiver was finally revealed and everything anyway there's an advertisement at the end of the book that the volume one trade paperback is coming out already and i think what it is i think it's collecting the first four comics you know the first four issues it's only going to be 10 bucks it's 9.99 for the trade paperback collecting the first four issues Comes It says this August. It doesn't give an exact date. It just says this August. Out the same month as the new movie, it says. And then the next issue, issue number five, is only going to be $1. So what is known as a loss leader. I'm hoping that's all it is. I'm hoping that this isn't a sign that the book is in trouble, but rather that they're just trying to, you know, gain new readers and... and you know, get the get the attention and all that. I'm hoping that's all it is. Trying to time it with the movie. No, exactly, they, they, uh, yeah. No, they did the same thing with Irredeemable over at Boom Studios. Oh, okay. That Mark Wade series, when the first trade came out, it was only ten bucks, and the very next issue that was after that was only ninety nine cents. Oh, well, good. So it, it's more of a jump on now for really cheap, and then pay the three to four dollars, whatever it is, uh, per issue. Uh, it, it's it's a sound marketing move. I I, I like. Oh, absolutely. One. I like when comic companies do that because it, it, it tells me that they're wanting me to read their monthly books, even though it's a trade. It's like, okay, you probably it's can't It's a trade find the... that, that's enticing you, yeah, right, yeah. to buy it month by month. Yeah, it's just like, hey, you probably can't find the first five issues or four issues or whatever it is. Here's them them for 10 bucks, which is probably half the price of what you paid for them would have paid for them off the newsstand, and damn it, we're gonna we're even gonna knock the price off of that one. That's great. I love hearing that, even well, though I probably won't buy the book. I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna pick up the trade in the ninety nine cent book because it'll be a jumping on point for me. You know right. what I mean? I'd be very curious to to hear what you think of it because I have loved it so far. The art if, is if it's absolutely about, beautiful, and it's I, just it's a damn good ape story. I, I leafed through it and I did notice the art's beautiful and I just love monkeys, man. So if you're <laughs> telling me it's a good story, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to see this movie because I will have to restrain myself in the theater. The only thing that could possibly like 
distract from me going nuts was if it would be like when I saw Greystoke and it was they brought in the load of of special students, you know, from the local, <laughs> you know, to to watch Greystoke. And I mean, whenever the monkeys started going nuts, the whole audience would go nuts. That's how I feel when I see. And do you, and you feel from retarded? The review. Rev- I feel like a monkey. <laughs> Watch what you say about monkeys. Although my friend Ken did, when I was just like, I can't wait to see, you know, apes versus humans. And he's like, actually, technically, humans are apes. So it's so we are living on right. planet of the apes technically right now. And I'm like, shut up, man. That's yeah, okay. So it's ape on ape. I can't wait to see some ape on ape violence then. <laughs> and, uh, and I hear from the reviews I've read that this movie falls squarely on the side of the apes. So... I'm as excited. well it should from all the things from every trailer I've seen yeah. those fuckers had it coming is all I'm going to say the, the international trailer that Scott sent me a, a link to was the first time I saw anything involving uh, James Franco's father and the fact that that neighbor is sitting there poking his freaking chest yeah, uh, it's, got it's all just like I'm just like, don't do that. He's he's a chimpanzee at heart. They're fiercely territorial. He's oh don't god, make you the did monkey that. mad. Don't make monkey mad. Don't make monkey mad. I'm gonna love it. Oh my god. And, well, I hope yeah. you guys are right, and that this is just you know this is just good marketing and not a sign that the book is in any sort of trouble because. You know, much like TV shows, it seems like every time I get attached to a modern comic. You know, it ends up tanking and, you know, winds up in the 50 cent bin later on or something. So it would just it would just be my luck. Yeah. About and it, and, so it, and if you decide to go, I'll just wait till it's in the 50 cent bin. Then it's like The Walking <laughs> Dead and it's five hundred dollars for issue number one and stuff right. like that six months after it comes out. I almost yeah, forgot that it just reminded me while we were talking about that. I spotted a, an issue on the stand the last uh, next to last time I was at the comic shop. And it just happened to catch my eye, and I was like, oh, damn. You know, I didn't have any interest in this title, but now I'm going to have to read it. And it was, um, I think it was issue number six of John Byrne just brought back the next Next men. men. Yeah. And so I picked up number six just because it had a cover on it, which was you were looking at Abraham Lincoln, and behind him was John Wilkes Booth pointing the gun at the back of his head. And then behind John Wilkes Booth was a character from the original Next Men pointing a gun at Booth. And I was like, <laughs> all right, you put Abraham Lincoln by John Byrne on the cover of a comic that pretty much says, Scott, buy me. That's <laughs> my, my roommate's going to go out and buy that because she's an Abraham Lincoln collector and she almost shit her pants when she saw... She's, she's on uh, Abraham Lincoln blog, so when that comic came up, it was on every Abraham Lincoln blog. Um, I've got the 99 cent... Um, number one of that that I haven't read yet. Well, that was going to be my caution with that one is that the weird thing about it, the first issue, I will be honest, the first issue sucks. The art didn't look that good, to it's, be honest. It's not that good. And all it is, that number one is simply a primer for anybody that either never read the series to begin with or, much like me, can't remember shit about what was going on when the series ended. You know, the original series. Yeah. It's a nice, like, bring you up to speed on, you know, the story so far. So the first issue really, frankly, sucks. 
But from the second one up to the the newest issue, man, it moves along. It's a good story. And what I really liked about it was it starts out and it's a kind of like, let's get the old gang back together kind of story because they've all been scattered through time. But they're very selective on who they bring back. And the character that I liked the very least from the original series so far has not reappeared, and I'm hoping he never does. I I think... John Byrne has become a real lean and mean writer lately. He's concise, like this, his Star Trek stuff is concise to the point. It it says Star Trek, mm-hmm. and it's unpredictable too. He takes it and he always makes sure to throw a little unpredictable, you know, that you think it might be going one way and it'll go another way, you know, and the ending isn't always what you would expect and stuff. I, I, he's just becoming a really good science fiction writer. Right. Not that he wasn't before, but I think he's really, like, in his interim of not doing much, I think some, something has really gelled. His art, I don't know if his art is, is definitely not up to the level of in his prime. I'd like to see what would happen if there, he was working with an awesome inker, you know? What, yeah, what I will agree with that. Happen. Yeah, I will agree with that because the only part of uh, of Next Men that, that I think is a little bit weak is uh, I think he could be inked a little better because I've, I've never really... And this even goes back to, to Burns' heyday when I felt he was really at his peak. I still never really liked Burn inked by Burn, you yeah. know? I think he inks his stuff too thin. He yes, doesn't. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that when when he pencils, from what I understand, he would he would do like a full out pencil. Everything's full. Uh, when he inks, and I've seen this in interviews, he basically roughs it in pencils and then finishes, finishes it, in, it ink, in ink. And it doesn't have the same thickness. I think it, it, that's what Scott was going for. Is that right? It's like when he was inked by Terry Austin or Carl Kessel yeah, on Terry Superman, Austin. it looked freaking amazing. When he inked Superman himself, outside of maybe Generations, which I think is the best burn inking himself ever, in my opinion, uh, because it, it, it seemed to have that burn fullness to it. I don't know if he was doing something different, if he was going for full pencils and then inking those, but there are other burn series that I've read where he inks himself and you're absolutely right the characters suddenly lose about five pounds right yeah 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 the only the only one off the top of my head I can remember ever seeing that I thought wow this is truly beautiful of him inking his own work was uh, was Superman number 22 but that's only because I felt like he really was pulling out all the stops on that issue because that truly is one of the greatest Superman stories ever. You know, both in story and art. So I really like that one. But yeah, I, I think I'm on board with this new Next Men series. I, I've really enjoyed it so far. And I loved the story of... Um, damn, I just totally blanked on the character's name. But it, she was the black... I think she was a CIA agent, if I remember properly. But she she's with some you know shadowy organization. But she was the, the black woman in the original series that was a friend of the Next Men. Well, she winds up back in time to like pre-Civil War South, you know, in in America and really has just a hellacious time dealing with it. And but it it was written really well and I really enjoyed it. 
because she's very, you know, strong-willed and very defiant and just goes through hell. And she's a black know? woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And basically, when she realizes where she is and what's going on, she basically <coughs> learns to kind of bide her time until the time of the Lincoln assassination. And uh, and that's where it just takes a very, very interesting turn that I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, if you were a fan of the original series or if you're just a John Byrne fan or if you just plain want to read some really good, you know, superhero slash time travel stories, uh, the new Next Men series is, I, I think it's pretty solid stuff. Somebody on the uh, forum, actually, I think it might have been Andy Leland. Somebody on the forum clued me in that there's going to be a new $6 million man series, and I'm fucking psyched for that, man. And I'm not so crazy that Kevin Smith is attached to it, but the guy I was talking to at the comic shop says that they're basically putting his name on it, but his understanding was that Kevin Smith is kind of like doing like, like plotting, but then it'll be other people that are actually doing everything else with the books, yeah. which means so that way he can actually finish. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm excited about this because, you know, based on some of the art, I wasn't sure if they were just taking the name and going in a, in a different direction or what. But supposedly this is actually the original Steve Austin from the TV show, picking up TV show continuity and everything. So I'm excited for that. I think that could be some good stuff. As far as what I got, as far as back issues or what, I only got just a couple of things this month, but I was pretty excited about both of them. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but uh, I finally... Chris, remember that Phantom Zone? We we did a recording for Phantom Zone. Like, this had to be like two, two years ago. Two and a half ago. years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was a long-ass time ago. Well, I finally got around to releasing um, the recording for the first issue that we did. And we had a bunch of our friends were on with us, like uh, Mike Will Sanchez. Will Sanchez, Juan Castro. Well, I was listening to that. And uh, Mike Petit was talking about a trade paperback that at the time he had just gotten, which was the uh, the Phantom Zone trade that reprinted a bunch of like early, early Phantom Zone villain appearances and stuff. Oh, yeah. I picked that up on the cheap for I think I paid like four or five bucks for it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm really excited to read it because it's got like the Charlie Questel story is in there. I've always wanted to, I've never read it. You know, I, as much as a fan of I as I am of the Phantom Zone miniseries. And Charlie was a major character in that. I've never actually read the original story that introduced that character, so I'm excited for that. And uh, it just looks like it's going to be a fun read. I've always wanted to read that book, and and it kind of just fell in my lap. And then the thing I was most excited about was uh, literally four years now, I have been trying to track down three different um there are those blue ribbon the dc blue ribbon digest from back you know back in the i think these i remember the 70s those. there's three of them that i've been trying to get which are the jonah hex and other western tales there were three different ones and just recently for a measly three bucks i got jonah hex and other western tales number one it's a little bit beat up but damn is this great because it's you know it's it's all reprints, so there's no original material in there. But I just, I love it for nothing else, but the, the front and back cover are painted pictures of Jonah Hex. And the one on the front is Jonah in his Civil War get up and everything with a smoking gun, just really creepy picture. And then the one on the back 
is him riding through this creepy ass cemetery that looks a lot like the one that's out in front of like the haunted mansion or something and it's really cool it's just him riding general away from this cemetery and i was like this is awesome so i'm excited just to read through here because it's not just jonah you know it's got jonah it's got scalp hunter el diablo billy the kid it just looks like it's going to be some fun you know western material and uh, the billy the kid one looks actually really interesting because this was the book that was in all-star western before jonah came along you know that was the strip that was in there and it's done by the same people that would eventually do jonah it's michael fleischer and uh tony uh doing the r so it should be interesting to to read them doing you know their stick but with a completely different character i wonder if there's any hint of jonah you know in that prior character at all so i'm, I'm excited to read that i'm a sucker for digests anyway oh yeah. i love stuff in digest form well, it was like Mike was saying about Superman stuff. I, I'm like that with Star Wars stuff. I don't care if it's a reprint of something I've read a thousand times. If it's in a slightly different format, I love it. You know, mm-hmm. I want to have them all. Well, wait till you hear in Star Wars Monthly Monday what I got from Kirk Landry. You, you're gonna I, gonna be so jealous. <laughs> since I am, uh, since I'm not on uh, Star Trek Monthly Monday, I, I, I do want to point out that today for eight dollars, I bought uh, one of the pre-special edition box sets of the three films from my buddy Brad Douglas oh, who nice. had it up on eBay. It was eight bucks with shipping. Ooh, so, that's not bad. So, uh, And I, I have two functioning VCRs so I will actually watch them. Because, so this uh, is the pre-special edition? Is that what you said? Yeah. It's the one yeah. before the dark, the black boxes that came out, like 94, 95, uh, which had like... Uh, this isn't the one with the hologram cover on it, is it? No, this is before that. Oh, okay. Is it? Is this the one? Does it have like Yoda on one and Vader on one? No, and... no, it's the one before that. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. I know the it's one a, you're talking about. It, I've, I've, I've got all, I've got all the releases. <laughs> uh, if well, you're one of those people that watch VHS, pretty soon I'm. I have boxes and boxes of VHS, VHSs. Um, and if there's any uh, listeners out there who are VHS enthusiasts. Yeah, talk to me. I I might be able to like get you some, well, some VHS. I've got some neat stuff on VHS that's dude, basically I'm, useless to me. I am such an idiot because not long ago I was at a, uh, I think it was a Goodwill, Goodwill or, or Salvation Army, one of the two. And, you know, if you go to one of those places these days and look at their VHS tapes, I mean, they're anywhere from, I mean, the most you're going to pay is a buck, but most yeah. of them are like 30 cents or something. Now, it's ridiculously cheap for VHS tapes. And somebody had the special longer edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is my favorite version of that movie, in with the VHS tapes. And I cannot tell you why I didn't buy it. I really should have bought that thing. Because I didn't get it because I, I'm not even sure if I have a working VCR anymore. I was just going to ask that, yeah. But I would like to get it now and just see if there's some way I could get it transferred to a really nice DVD copy. Because I still want to do a I commentary do for, for uh, the motion picture. But I want to do it for that version, even though it's a, it's a bitch to find that version. And it's not available on DVD so far as I'm aware. That's still the one I'd want to do. I'm surprised somebody somebody must have made it. Did I, if you ever if you get a hold of the if you get a hold of it, I may own it. I'll I'll check around, but I can I can digitize stuff like that into a 
Yeah. Into yeah, a well, DVD for you. In that one, sadly, one and only comic show that Scott and I got to go together, we went to a place called uh, Book Nook afterwards, mm-hmm. which is one of these, you know, hodgepodge movie, music, comic book, used bookstores. And they had. You mean heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they had, in addition to the LPs of Superman the movie and Superman 2 which I didn't buy because they were all scratched to hell. Um, and they cut the corners out of the packaging. Uh, they had like a lot of the original Star Trek, the original series VHS releases for like two, three bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah. those are, I, just, I see those all over the place. Yeah. And I, I always, I'd like to have those just because they're neat, you know, especially since the, uh, the, the cage is the one that's still partially black and white. Yeah. So I just I just didn't have the money that day because I spent way too money at that show. Anyways, we had a, a garage sale in Georgia shortly before we moved here just to kind of clean house a little bit, you know, and uh, and I sold a box that had all of my Star Trek VHS tapes in it. And I think I ended up getting like no, it was no more than 10 bucks out of it, which just killed me. You know, well, I would have made you a better deal than that. <laughs> I just, you know, no, I didn't think anybody wanted them, and some guy came along, and I, I think I had him like, like in a box, and I had a sign on it, like you know, like a dollar a piece oh. or something. He was like, "I'll give you ten bucks for the whole box." And I was like, "All right, whatever," you know. Yeah, the thing is, you know, their value. I mean, the thing is, you know, you can watch any Star Trek episode anyway, you like right. on your computer or anything anytime. Right. Those those things are never. If they're going to be valuable, they're not going to be valuable for another for 30, 40 years. You know, till they become a collector's item. Right. And then it'll be like, look, I bought my retro VCR and it still works and I can watch the old. And, right. you know, people will watch them for the stupid commercials that they stuck on them in the previews. And the yeah, seasons. no doubt. And, uh, right. and all that. But until then, they're just going to be a bulky pain in the ass for everybody. Yep. Unless you are a, a VHS watcher and then they're totally workable. Well, I'm, I'm not necessarily like an enthusiast. I just like having certain things on VHS because they remind me right. of my youth or it's the only version of, like Scott said with that Star Trek the motion picture or, you know, we went <laughs> back in 1999, my friends and I went to this porn shop basically called New York Video over in Union City and they had a quarter of the floor space devoted basically what this company would do was, was to go to every mom and pop video store that ever went out of business and buy out their stock so they had tapes going back to the early 80s of stuff that's not out of print or wasn't on dvd and i picked up the very first vhs release of superman the movie which came in this little box that opens up yep clamshell uh, no, not even clamshell. It's like a cardboard it's, box. Yes, they, that's how they used to make. I have Bob and Doug McKenzie, the Bob and Doug McKenzie movie, in that Strange kind of Brew. box. Strange, Strange Brew, Brew in yeah. that box. Yeah. Um, I have a question to ask you guys right after this. Uh, the uh, but the thing is, is that the running time on the first VHS is shorter. Yeah. Than the running time of the film because it didn't hold that much tape. Like all of the end credits are gone. Yep. And it was just neat to have. I bought it for like five bucks. And it was just 
now I have it in my collection, and I did watch it the night I got it home. See, uh, it, it killed me when we moved here uh, from Georgia, but you know, I, I what I couldn't sell, I gave away to like Goodwill and everything. And the only VHSs that I, I saved were they either had great sentimental value, and I just couldn't get rid of them, or like in the case, like if you had told me that the the VHS Star Wars that you just bought was that one with the hologram cover for eight bucks, I'd have just cried because you know what I paid for that? A hundred dollars. And I kept it only because I you know I just can't throw away an investment like that. Or not even investment. I mean just the simple fact I spent a hundred dollars on this. It's completely worthless today. But I just couldn't, yeah, I couldn't see just, you know, giving it away to Salvation Army or something, you know. But it just kills me that I had, you know, a VHS collection that I literally probably paid thousands and thousands of dollars for, and it's worthless, you know. So unless it was super a lot rare of people, or whatever. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I know you know, like, like I got stuff like I got the, um, the pilot movie for Max Headroom. Uh-huh. You know, I, as far as I know, I don't think they've really even put that out on DVD. Yeah, see, yeah stuff might... like that I kept. Yeah, because I've got a lot of like titan- uh, Titanic documentaries and stuff that I'm pretty sure have never been, you know, put on uh, DVD or whatever. Stuff like that I saved. But if it was something that I know is readily available on DVD or the internet or something, then I just went ahead and, you know, let it go because it was, like you say, they're a bulky pain in the ass, you know? That reminds me, my. My fiddle player friend was in a Roger Corman biker movie, and I finally got that on VHS, which you can only find, you know, find on VHS. And I have to digitize that one of these days. <laughs> Great movie too. Mike said he had a question for us. I'm curious Uh-oh. what this question is. Okay, comedy parody movie from the '80s shown on HBO all the time making fun of Night of the Living Dead, where all the zombies kept saying, what difference does it make? Do either of you remember that? Ooh. No. Okay. I was... I, 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 when you first Return started, I was... It's not it's one not of the Return, Return of the Living Dead. dead. Yeah. It, it, it seemed to be, like, a little short. And the only reason I remember it is that a couple days later we were watching Footloose and at one point Kevin Bacon goes, what difference does it make? And we all started busting up laughing. Is the name of the movie Hysterical? It might be. Do you mean it was a really funny title? or No, I mean, is that the name of the movie? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Was the name of the movie Bigger Than a Bread Box? It says, hysterical, rated PG, copyright 1983. It says, the zombies, uh, uh, they wear turtlenecks and are only capable of saying five words. What difference does it make? That's this sounds like the it. movie that you're talking okay. about. Uh, okay, thank you. I've How many never heard of this? can it have with zombies that say, what difference does it make? Well, at this point, I think we should probably take a little break, and uh, we'll come back with the uh, with the wrap up. We'll have top five and get Chris to read a goddamn God superhero comic. <laughs> I'm trying to say it with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Close right. enough for union work. I <laughs> rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-el grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. 
in the city of Metropolis. He poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. The King of Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. But you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast is about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing badly. Yes, well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? H is comics. Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I am Jeffrey Taylor. 
and we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. Wait, wait, from... wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number one in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world, when these comics were published, and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Hi, my name is Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, which explores the world of Superman and the many creators who have added to his legacy over the decades. Episodes will feature creator biographies or highlight some of their top stories they have created as well as their top characters. Other episodes will feature topics appropriate to the holiday or the time of the year. For instance, Valentine's Day will feature stories about the women in Superman's life. April Fool's Day will feature some of the bizarre Superman Silver Age stories or some of the imaginary stories that have been published. Halloween will feature some of the scary Superman stories or some of his strange transformations and, of course, some of the Christmas Superman stories. The website can be found at supermanfanpodcast.mypodcast.com. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and recently I was overcome by the urge to read my Batman comics again while separately wanting to do another solo podcast. I decided that these were two great tastes that would taste great together, and thus was born Bailey's Batman Podcast. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a weekly program that looks at a month in the life of the Dark Knight Detective, starting with the books bearing a March 1983 cover date, which coincidentally is where my solid run of the characters' comics begins, and moving forward until... well, until at least the books that came out in 2005, because that's where the solid run ends. 
Each week I will give you a full synopsis and review of every major ongoing Batman title, with brief stops along the way to look at the important specials, miniseries, one-shots, and Elseworld stories, just to keep things interesting. I'll also be telling you what other books Batman appeared in that month, as well as what was going on elsewhere in the DC Universe. It is going to be all Batman, all the time, as I look at over 20 years of the character's history. The first appearance of Jason Todd. Death in the Family. Nightfall. No Man's Land. All of that and more will be covered on Bailey's Batman Podcast. Every Tuesday at Bailey's Batman Podcast.com. Hi out there, ladies. This is Michael Bailey, talking through my new microphone. It's called a blue snowball. But there ain't nothing blue about these balls. And now Scott Gardner. Ow. Oh. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Uh, You're oh, welcome. I need a, I need a shower now. <clears throat> okay, now? we are back. Wait, with, uh, I don't even want to know why you need a shower. <laughs> yeah, really. Make me feel icky. Okay, well, that's that's better than, yeah. <laughs> Moving right along, welcome back to uh, Comics Monthly Monday, number 33. All right, we're going to get into the segment we hesitatingly call Top 5, because we still don't have any name submissions for what the hell else to call this segment. So in this segment, Top 5 Comics you thought would be awesome, but turned out they kind of sucked. So who wants to uh, who wants to go? Mike said he wants to go last on this segment. Chris, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go? Sure, first? I'll go first. You go first. I don't care, man. I'm I'm up for it. All right, number one on the list, and and these are in no particular order of of disappointment. You know, this doesn't mean this is my most or least disappointed. But I was all pretty equally disappointed in all of these. Just to be nice. Um, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, the sequel to The Dark Knight Returns. Damn it! It was half, <laughs> half of the acid. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> this one was, this was back when Scott and I were like, when indie, co- not in, but you know, um, other, you know, other, uh, um, comic companies were coming out and we'd order through like Lone Star and stuff. Uh, it was sort of a big to do uh neil adams came out with a comic and it was sort of his return and it was called miss mystic and it was even gonna have a little sort of nudity in it and stuff and i remember pick and i remember like being all right i love neil adams art and it was just a big pile of man (laughs) um then i found out that george romero was coming out with a zombie comic called toe tags about some military experiment going wrong and resulting in zombies and uh and i went to the comic shop and picked up the first three issues of it and halfway through reading the first issue i was like "Ooh, maybe i should have just picked up one issue of this (laughs) it was pretty bad um another one is something that a lot of people really like but um I was very un- underwhelmed, and once again, uh, Frank Miller strikes again with uh, Sin City. 
which it was built up to me by people who had been reading it. It wasn't like something that like was like Frank Miller's new thing, the hype. It was the hype from other people that I knew that that I actually valued their opinion. And I remember reading the the first Sin City story arc and being like, eh, it looked nice. And that, and that was about it. I didn't see what the hoopla was. And and number five was Todd McFarlane's Spawn. And I remember what a big deal it was when it came out. And I remember reading them going, I just don't see what it is. You know, the art's kind of pretty, but that was about it. They were kind of talky and, and doofy. <laughs> and, Oddly uh, enough, yeah. that was the best written of the original Image books. Uh, that no, doesn't say a lot to dude, me you're for... forgetting Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon was... well. I have to read that. I've heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah. Keep in mind, I liked both Savage Dragon and Spawn, yeah. so I'm not trying to mock any, any anybody's thing, but I just think that as far as trying to have a complex storyline, I think Spawn pulled it off better than any of them. I didn't know you say I didn't read far enough to see a complex to to see any complex storyline unfold. I remember just seeing the first couple issues and being like, "Well, okay." Well, you know, I, come to think of it, when it's my turn again for uh, suggesting something on the on the get Chris to read it segment, I, I just might throw out uh, the original Savage Dragon. Um, I'd be down for that miniseries because. I, I think you would dig that, Chris. I really do. But I'd love to get your take on it one way or the other. Uh, let's see. I, I was really surprised when you guys told me off air how, how much trouble you had with this because I easily could have had a top 50 list because I have read a lot of shit comics over the years and a lot of comics that sadly I was going into, you know, really looking forward to reading it and they turned out to be crappy. So narrowing this list down to just five was actually quite the feat. These are purely off the top of my head, but these would be in ascending order of the biggest disappointments I could think of in, in fairly recent memory. Number five, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight issues 132 through 136. This was the Siege storyline, the return of Silver St. Cloud. I was really psyched about this because Silver St. Cloud is one of my all-time favorite Batman characters. She was... Uh, Kind of think of her as almost like the prototype for uh, Andrea Beaumont in Batman Mask of the Phantasm. That's kind of who Silver St. Cloud was. And at the end of the, the uh, original uh, Englehart Rogers run on, what was that, Detective Comics, I think. Yes. She just kind of walked out on Bruce Wayne. Well, this is where she came back into his life. And this was much hyped when it was coming out. And I was really, really looking forward to it. And it really really sucked and i was so disappointed it was really a big steaming pile of crap and i was horribly horribly disappointed in it because the much touted return of silver saint cloud was really not anything to write home about it was more this stupid story about bruce wayne's grandfather or some ridiculous thing it was just a stupid story and i really didn't like it at all number four Final Crisis, Legion of Three Worlds, number five. I was digging this series. I was really, really enjoying it. And then uh, Jeff Johns just took a big old piss on fanboys 
in that last issue. It was flat out insulting and just ruined my enjoyment of the overall series. This was that one. I don't know if you read this, Mike. It was the one that ended with Superboy. Oh, Prime. with Jeff Johns giving us the middle finger. Yeah, and exactly. Us to go fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I hated it, and uh, and it did. It retroactively ruined the entire rest of what had been up to that point a great series for me. Just horrible. Number three, <laughs> this is going to cover the entire goddamn series, Booster Gold Volume 2. This is one of the greatest disappointments in all of comic books for me because I waited over 20 fucking years for Booster Gold to regain his title, and then I get this piece of shit. I hated that series. I stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. I kept thinking it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, and it never did. And uh, I was horribly, horribly disappointed in that series. Um, Number two, no big surprise, Batman Arkham Asylum. My only regret with this book is that I didn't return it for a full refund because I didn't think I could. Whereas number one is to this day still the only comic book I have ever returned for a full refund, (laughs) which was JLA Earth 2. It was a piece of shit. Flat out, no redeeming qualities. That book was fucking horrible. And that's my top five comics that I thought would be awesome, but they sucked. Mike? Okay, and... I feel like we all need a break after that. Um, I need a quaalude or something. This topic, as you can tell. I don't really have numbering this time out. It's just these are the ones that I can think of. I have to agree with Chris. Dark Knight Strikes Back or whatever the hell that piece of shit was called. That thing was hyped and it was hyped and it was hyped and it came out and fandom collectively went, what the fuck is going on in this book? Any book where Martian Manhunter uses the phrase tits up, you know you're pretty much in, in for a bad <laughs> Are time. you serious? Yes. Man, I am so not glad. Not kidding. I, I just, you know, I'm not trying to sound like I'm so much smarter than it, but I saw that coming out and just said, there's no way I'm reading this. And I'm so glad that I had that, that much foresight because I've never heard anybody say one kind word about that series. Uh, the next one is Superman for Tomorrow by Brian Azzarello and oh, Jim God, Lee. Yes. When they announced that Jim Lee was going to be drawing Superman, I was fairly excited because I like Jim Lee's artwork. And Hush, I enjoy the shit out of Hush. But, uh, I mean, it, it just came out and it was boring. It didn't really move along. It's not that it didn't make sense. It just wasn't very coherent. Uh, next one up would be Batman War Games which I went into fairly excited because it was a big bat crossover and after Bruce Wayne Fugitive and uh, Bruce Wayne Murderer and Bruce Wayne Fugitive two stories I thought were badass this one came up and kind of stank up the joint caused me to stop reading most of the bat titles for about six months just because I was that pissed off at the books it just made me feel bad about myself it's it's (laughs) a big thing another one Camelot 3000 I remember that. You know, I heard nothing. It's like Brian Boland's beautiful artwork, and the artwork was beautiful. I just didn't care about the story. And that's kind of depressing when you think about it. The problem with this list is that, on the whole, I'll find redeeming qualities about a comic book. You know, I'll find something to latch on to that'll keep me going. My last one, it was Amazing Spider-Man number 665. 
because I had been enjoying Amazing Spider-Man on the whole uh, since the whole big time thing started and they they moved away from the brand new day stories and, and kind of tried to take Spider-Man further. Uh, they had a couple clunkers in there, but they had a couple issues that were really awesome and then it was supposed to be like this downtime issue with Spider-Man having issues of not being able to hang out with Betty Brant. The first Saturday of every month is movie night for them. He ends up not being able to go. She ends up getting mugged and in the hospital. And at the very end of the issue, Spider-Man's out trying to find the bad guy. And he's talking to everybody at the hospital. And Aunt May tells him to come back to the hospital. He's like, Aunt May, I'm busy right now. She goes, I haven't been this disappointed in you since the night Uncle Ben died when you weren't there for me. At which point I went, fuck you. (laughs) I swear to God, (laughs) pissed me off. Because I was enjoying the story. You know? I mean, it's it's not a series because, you know, you could it's, it's hard to judge like a series like Amazing Spider-Man because it has so many ups and downs. So it's not like, you know, with you and Booster Gold, which I politely disagree about. I actually kind of dug that series for the first eight issues that I followed it. But it was just it was kind of annoying just to have in the middle of a story a character who was close to death for the first like 15 years she existed suddenly now 50 years later say that she really needed him that night uh on so many levels that pissed me off so that'll be that'll be my last one just because i really couldn't think of any others (laughs) i actually even thought of another one it was uh i don't remember the name of it but was the kevin smith daredevil story that That one almost made my list yeah yeah. The, the the one with the Joe Casada artwork, the not um, what is all that I called? remember is it involved adoption and yeah, it had a okay. big Catholic theme through it, and it was very mopey and it was sort of trying to be Frank Millery. I, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. It was just like I like my Kevin Smith funny for the most part. Uh, Mike, did you ever read? It was a, I think it was a three-issue prestige mini. It was uh, Batman Outlaws. No, I never read that. That one almost made my list. the 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 Dark Knight, uh, the Legends <laughs> of the Dark Knight story, uh, nudged it out, but uh, that one almost made my list because that was oh my god, what a piece of shit that was. Made my list. Now, I just I, I want to head everybody off at the pass. Don't write in about how negative this segment was. We know, and we're gonna we're gonna bring the positivity next time because the topic for next time we're gonna turn it right around. Top five comics that you went in thinking that they were gonna suck, but they turned out to be fairly awesome. So that's our topic for next time, and I promise I'll tackle that with the same enthusiasm that I tackled this. But this was a lot of fun because, like I say, I. I could go on all night about comics that I went in going, ooh, I'm going to love this, and walked away going, what a piece of shit. Wiping your ass with it. Yeah, exactly. I, I just I throw it on the on the pile beside the toilet so that if I ever run low on the Charmin, I got something to wipe my behind with. Exactly. <laughs> At the moment, it's a big old stack of Grant Morrison books. Don't squeeze oh. the Grant Morrison. <laughs> All right, now it is time for still my favorite segment of the show. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. comic. And you did it again. You got me to read one. God damn it. (laughs) All right. This month, I am reading a Thor comic called Thor. 
I whom the gods destroy. What is destroy? Would destroy. (laughs) I'm in Star Trek mode. It is a strange title because no destroying is actually done. I have a better title for this comic. It is called Emo Thor is Sad. The story starts out with Thor's mortal version, Don Blake, doing what every doctor does when they lose a patient, drink themselves blind. Then his girlfriend from Asgard with the name that sounds like a venereal disease shows up with his cane that makes him Thor. He tells her to go away because he's sad. Then he is picked up by a barfly lady and they build the beast with two backs, but he's still sad. He turns into Thor and takes her flying to show how much it sucks to be an immortal superhero with superpowers. Then Thor is sad some more. He even does a Superman returns Jesus on a cross in space and then tries to kill himself but just can't do it. And this makes him sad. He helps the mortals, but they just don't understand how tough it is to have the best of both worlds. He goes on a date with his Asgard girl, but she hates mortal stuff and doesn't understand, so Thor is sad. She tears off her clothes and leaves, so I guess some clothes actually got destroyed in this comic. (laughs) Then Don Blake has to operate on a little girl but doesn't have any confidence anymore because he's sad, but suddenly Syphilis says that she kind (laughs) of understands and he gets his groove back. And now Thor is kind of happy, which cracks his dad up because now he can fuck with him again. The end. (laughs) Bravo, sir. Because while that was very funny, that was actually very, very accurate (laughs) to the story. (laughs) Yes, I I cut with a very sharp scalpel. says at the end of the story is, I'm glad that he snapped out of this because now I can start a whole new series of fucking with him yeah now i've kept him from killing i've kept him from killing letting himself die as a mortal so now i can fuck with him for all of eternity (laughs) 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 what an awesome dad (laughs) why not just take him fishing odin you know come on (laughs) that's what usually dads do so what honestly though what did you think of this i mixed on this 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 is definitely not not the best of all the make chris read a goddamn comics and not to say that it was bad one the the strongest well there were there were two things working against this to me one not as much as the other but the the one that was working against it less so was um the artwork was kind of generic you know and and the name that keeps surfacing in all of our <laughs> podcasts is that Vin, Vinny Coletta. Coletta Vinny, yeah. Vince Coletta, there he was. <laughs> See, the there problem with the art in this is that... Although he wasn't that bad in this one, I'll say this. I'd say that just the general art was kind of generic, but the inks weren't as bad as I have become used to. Well, the problem with it is that it, the, the art team on this is Paul Ryan, who became a fine artist much in the uh, in the John Byrne style because I think eventually he he adopted a very much aping John Byrne style which which I enjoyed quite a lot especially when he was doing like Fantastic 4 the problem is it's not there there this is a very young Paul Ryan just getting started and then who do they saddle him with but you know Vinnie Coletta who just overpowers and destroys any distinctive style 
that Ryan could have brought to this. So this very much looks like Vinnie Coletta is the sole artist on this book. There's not a trace of Paul Ryan in here anywhere. And that's a damn shame because it does look just, it looks like uh, generic. It's kind of just, it's, yeah. it's not terrible, but it's not anything, you know, there's no real sense of style to it. It's, no, it's pretty not. straight up comic. It, it looks like that issue of Lady Cop that, that Mike got at the, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Wasn't that Vinnie Coletta, Mike? I forget. I, I just am was. laughing at Lady Cop. Yeah, that's what it looks like. But I like the story in this. I, the the thing the the big thing for me that I wish I wish somebody would pick up one thread from this, which is where um, Don Blake does it with that woman that they never even give her a name, but that barfly woman, and then he reveals himself to him, to her later on that he's actually Thor. I'd like somebody to pick up the threads of that to where uh, a, a child came out of that. You know, I think that could be a very interesting story. It happens all the time with the yeah, gods and demigods. Gods, exactly. That's what they do. And I would love for that to get picked up. I, I, I mean, I'm envisioning a story where whether it's a son or a daughter, you know, they track down Thor or I think Don Blake's even back in the comics now. They track down Don, track down Don Blake and confront him as, you know, why are you a deadbeat dad type of thing? You know, may, the mother at some point died or something. So she's not in the picture anymore. And this person is starting to exhibit some sort of demigod powers or whatever, you know. And, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's pu- it's, pulled the, the kindergarten bully's head off his shoulders or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, those type of stories have been done before, but they're always interesting, and I think you could make some interesting things out of it. I mean, to my knowledge, we haven't gotten any sort of Son of Thor story yet, so, you know, it's it's a different direction you could go with the character for a while. That would be, I think, uh, I, I don't want to sound harsh on this comic, because I, did, I, I enjoyed reading it, but it, uh, in, the, in the end with it, it was... It really didn't have a lot of action, and that's fine with me. But Thor's whole dilemma was just kind of... I didn't buy it completely. I don't buy having the best of... Being an immortal who could choose to die if he wants to at some point. You know, I just don't see them having uh, that, 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 you know... Especially if you're some uh, an immortal like Thor... You know, maybe it's because he's, you know, I guess the the story is he's half in the mortal world, half in the immortal world. That's why he's having those impulses of, you know, should I, you know, should I just let myself die and, and oh, you know, nobody understands. But I don't know. I, I, I think usually guys like Thor get over that sort of stuff after a good battle. <laughs> you know, that's usually <laughs> what puts it in perspective to him. And, and my hat's off for him for trying to in and, and what what year was this? This was in the eighties, I would assume, right? Um, let me Probably see. Late eighties, sure. I would guess mid to late eighties. Let me see if I can find it, a date here. It's it's in that time period where eighty seven. You know, yeah, they were trying. You know, they were really trying. Like, and and the graphic novels, especially, they were like, we're gonna, you know, we want to give a make them something different or to have a little more depth to them. 
And those early graphic novels were sort of like primers, you know. They were kind of just, okay, here's Thor has an existential dilemma, you know. How are we going to illustrate this and make it interesting? And they did, but I, I just, you know, the whole part where he goes on the on the date with Sif and she's just like not having any of it, and he's trying to convince her of it. I, I personally think he would be like, he would be able to understand that she's not going to understand that she's not going to understand the mortal end of it, and. And and her at the end coming in and just sort of out of nowhere being like, well, yeah, you know what? I sort of kind of understand. You know, I'm cool with it with with that. And and he's like, oh, good, I feel much better. Well, is <laughs> is a little little convenient, but it was it was it was a it was a it was a fast read. It was what like sixty six pages or something like that. Yeah, but it, it flew by, and it, I mean, basically, it was just dialogue. I mean, the dialogue was well written. The whole the whole thing, uh, and uh, I, I, I always, I'm not a fan of the doctor who gets depressed when they lose a patient, because honestly, when you go through medical school and stuff like that, they tell you that's. I mean, you know, they tell you it's going to happen, and you, you're never going to really be prepared for it. I guess would be, you know, how how you would put it or something, but I just don't see. The, the doctors who go, I lost a patient, you know, I failed that patient. And it's like, no, you know, I think they could put it in perspective and think about all the other people whose lives they saved and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, okay, maybe Thor being an immortal and stuff would be maybe a little more um, concerned with having a perfect record or something. But then again, he's an Asgardian. They're pretty sloppy as far as gods go. They get people <laughs> pregnant all the time and they, they get in little backbiting wars and stuff. So they're not, you know, they're not, they're, they're, you know, I, that, that, I like those old gods like that, that, you know, where you had a group of gods up on a mountain and stuff because they were all bastards, you know, <laughs> they were just like, they were just like humans with superpowers, you know, they weren't, they weren't these perfect beings. As a matter of fact, they were probably, you know, worse than us, you know. But <laughs> they were stronger than us. <laughs> so kind of reminds where, me of. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's just where they got their. I, you know, it's much easier to live up to the Asgardian standards of, of you know, it's like what you're <laughs> drinking mead. Go ahead, drink all the mead you like, <laughs> just as long as you pour some on my altar. <laughs> You know, none, none, none of that. Thou, thou shalt not do this or that. You know, it's basically thou shalt not fuck with me. <laughs> That's those gods. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Mike? Well, it reminds me of this issue of Superman. This little like done, <clears throat> done in one from around 2002 that Chuck Austin wrote, where Superman just goes ape shit for a day. He's more violent. He's like being really gruff with the the criminals and stuff, and at the end you find out he's pissed off because a, a little boy died, and mm -hmm. it's just like okay, I I I know that's sad and everything, but you're Superman, you you deal with much bigger things than you know the the death of of one boy, and I'm not trying to mitigate that, but it's just like that he's that's your reasoning for him. That happens a lot in comics, you know, where where the superhero will be go, you know, little Billy had everything and I couldn't save him with all my power that I have. I couldn't save him. And it's like, yeah, that's right. You couldn't save little Billy. And guess what? 
in that huge battle where you guys were chucking tanker trucks at each other? What about all the people in the buildings that collapsed? (laughs) You know, you didn't see them. And some of them were, you know, there were a lot of middle-aged businessmen and stuff. I guess they're not as, you don't feel as bad for them as little Billy. Yeah, they're not as bad as little Jimmy who, like, Superman, thanks for trying to save me. Ah. You know, <laughs> Mike, did you ever read that uh, that issue of Hitman that had Superman guest star in it? No, but I've heard about it. Uh, I did read the Hitman JLA. Special. Yeah, yeah, that was a continuation two, of that. two things, and I really enjoyed that. So I really want to get that issue of Hitman because it sounded really cool. Yeah, I think you would like that. See, I like this story. It, it's it is a lot of Thor just kind of whining and everything. He is a little bit emo in this, but what I liked about this was I, I didn't see it so much as the thing about having lost a patient as is is it, it's, it's actually just a small symptom of a bigger problem. Is that Thor is is starting to tire of his of his immortality and everything. And it, it's, I, I, I saw this much more as a tale of like, you know, the long dark tea time of the soul kind of thing, you know, where right, he's right. lived so long and, and done so much. And he's f- starting to feel like he's not really at home in either place. Well, so, you do what every God does when they get old and bored with reality. They go insane and mess everything <laughs> up. I liked it though. I, I I do enjoy this quite a bit. I can't explain exactly why, but I do get a, a real kick out of this. Part of what it. What you're is- supposed to do is you go and you fly way out into space and you find a planet and you just sit there and wait for the Enterprise to show up and then you fuck with them. <laughs> I I like fish out of water tales and and the thing you know where he takes. Sif around. Well, at first he does it himself, where he's you know he decides as Thor that he's not going to fly over top of humanity, but he just goes walking right down the streets of New York, and people are reacting to him and stuff like that. I mean, because I love this one part where he says, "I have feasted on the nectars of the wild fruits in the land of the Norns. I have dined in the exalted halls of the godly realms. Today, I am offered a creamsicle." I think that's just there's something about that that I, I really like. And it tastes like cardboard, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you know later on he tries to do the same thing with Sif, you know, where he tries to get her to wear regular clothes and speak like a regular person and just go out on a normal date, and she just doesn't get it, you know. She doesn't understand what is his fascination, and the part where she just snaps on him, and basically tells him that you know. You're an immortal. You're a god. You know, you're the son of the king of the gods. Basically, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? Snap out of this funk. I like that. That I don't know. It this. It, I think it's just an interesting story. It's not quite the version of Thor that I like the best, or what? Because this is definitely pre, um, you know, the Simonson stuff and all that. But I, I still get a kick out of it. I I like it quite a bit. You know, despite the the subpar art and everything. I think it's an interesting story. But the the main reason, the main thing for me that always stuck with me is that little bit with him uh, having that, that one-nighter with that woman. I would love to see something come out of that. 
hopefully one of these days somebody will, will pick up that thread and she just it. descends into the bar and grabs him too she doesn't even know he's a an immortal or anything she's just like hi who are you yep. come home with me exactly. are you sad are you sad and drunk <laughs> come home with me <laughs> that's pretty much it too and you will be sadder but not quite as drunk but that i i just thought it was funny that that he took her and grabbed her and took her flying around New York, and he's just like, she's just not getting wh- why I don't like this superhero thing. And it's like, right. of course not. She's flying around New York City. <laughs> uh, she, she just doesn't get why I'm... She doesn't get me either. It's because you're flying her around, goofball. Speaking of goofs, I caught a big one on, on my reread of this. On pages 18 and 19. Alright, so while... They were sleeping after uh, Don Blake and his barfly woman get it on. He wakes up the next morning and Sif snuck in during the night and left his cane next to the bed, right? And then he ends up using it to become Thor on pages 16 and 17. On pages 18 and 19, when Sif summons the Rainbow Bridge and returns to Asgard, she's still holding the cane. For a page and a half, she's still walking around with a cane, and then all of a sudden you turn the page to page 20, and it's like they suddenly remembered, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you don't see it anymore after that point. So somebody screwed up somewhere. Whoops. Yeah, I never caught that the first couple of times I read this, but I caught it when I read it again for, for this. Yeah, the Rainbow Bridge is taken on a new meeting these days. So it's funny when you see, like, in the new movie, the new movie Rainbow Bridge wasn't that gay. But this rainbow bridge is pretty gay. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it's a full out, you know, rainbow. Hop on the rainbow. <laughs> it, you know, it, cross it, the rainbow bridge of Asgard. But uh, yeah. What what? So what what? What do I get next? <laughs> that's the question I don't know because I was thinking that somebody had thrown something out on the forum but when I went and dug around on the forum all I could find was suggestions for top five I didn't find any suggestions for this well segment, sometimes so. people will suggest things in an inappropriate forum <laughs> you know they'll be in the in the Star Wars forum and go like here's a comic you should read this is true yeah, the life I'm, of I'm, Pope John Paul the <laughs> first I I don't know. Actually, it would be Mike's turn to pick anyway, really. So, oh god, Scott, um, Mike. that's a good one for you to read. I'm NFL not picky, Super Bowl. Really. <laughs> I'm not gonna make him read NFL Super. <laughs> I like him more than that. Let's see. It's, I'm the media masochist. I do. I'll read stuff like that on my own. Thank you very much. Ravage twenty ninety nine. You guys are supposed to make Young guys, Blood number one. Young Blood number one from 1992. Oh God, are you serious? Yeah. Uh oh. I want to see what he thinks of it. Oh God, I've never read it either. You'll be you'll be getting both of our reactions. So Young Blood number <laughs> and one. And this will be the final Comics Monthly Monday where Michael Bailey will be taking part. <laughs> Now, do do we do we have this readily available as a as a as a digital form? Oh God, I I don't know. I just figured you could go and find it in like a fifty cent bin or a bump, <laughs> like uh, you know you know those newspaper bums stuff up their pants to keep 
you know, warm in the in the winter Odds time. Odds are it's a young blood number one. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, if you want me to choose another one, I will. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll run with that, and we'll see if maybe we can track it down. I honestly have no idea if if this might be something I can find in a in a digital format or not. But we'll we'll find out. We could put out we could put out a call. What 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 was it? A Marvel or was it a DC? Yep. Is it image book? Image. No, wait, wait, wait. I got a better one. All right, a better one Ooh. along the same lines. X Force number one. There you go. Is that I can send in digital form if necessary. That works. I think I might have that that I've never read too. And and this is this is me not being mean, but it's me being a little mean. Just oh okay. <laughs> but honestly, no, the the main reason I want to do it for September uh, is that this month or next month is the twentieth anniversary of that book. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, it's the twentieth anniversary of X Men number one and X Force number one. Oh my god! Actually, I have two copies of X Force number one. <laughs> I've never I do read too. it. One in the bag, one out of the bag. And that's probably what I have as well. Holy nineties! Yep. And I, and you know, usually we like to give you know books that that we like and and stuff. But X Force number one may not be like the greatest comic book, but it was fun. So I, I'd like to get Chris's reaction to the hysteria of the early nineties X universe. It my, can't be I, all my, bad. It I, has Shatterstar in it, and I always thought he was kind of cool, so it can't be all bad. It's just because you're in love with Longshot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no argument I, there, I guess, I'm, yeah. I'm not seeing a downside to it. Is it? You got anything else? <laughs> Though I think they retconned that later. Now, did they ever catch the guy who shrank Cable's head, I'm wondering? <laughs> I don't know. I swear I to God. He sucked, there. He told me... He's got like the Hulk's body with a little old man head on him. It's weird. Holy cow! All right, well, I'm I'm kind of sort of looking forward to this. Just as well, he was he was he he went to visit a gypsy woman and she asked him if he wanted a little head and he said hell yeah. <laughs> and so you shall. Is this Ding. the same cannonball from New Mutants? Yes. He doesn't look a goddamn thing like Cannonball. Cannonball was a tall, lanky Kentuckian dude, wasn't he? He, this was, a, he like... was a he was a stretchy, blonde-haired, yeah, yeah. corn-fed Midwest boy. Yeah, this guy looks like like a sixteen-year-old like California surfer mall dude or something. It doesn't look a goddamn gnarly like Cannonball. Well, this should be a lot of fun anyway, <laughs> or or not. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I've never. Had any exposure to uh, to X Force? I have some I have some issues of X Force. I don't know how I got them. I might even have that one, but I'll probably end up having that. But that should be an easy one to find a digital copy of. You know, I'm sure. Cool. All right. Well, that will be uh, that will be next month on Comics Monthly Monday. I had a blast, guys. This was a lot of fun. But yes, late, and I must go to bed. Yes. <laughs> Time for bed. Both of you, you guys had another podcast under your belt before you even started this one. That's right. And, That's I, how and I appeared on a podcast. Are. I appeared on a podcast today from work. So Oh wow. Awesome. Awesome. I'm always proud of the people who listen to podcasts from work, but that's setting the bar even higher, man. <laughs> I like that. You 
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Yes? You should like that, uh, that voicemail that I just left. Oh, should I? You should like it. It's creepy. Great. <laughs> What's up, freak? Ah, uh, not much. Just finished watching Captain America. What'd you think? So, Chris, how do you like the new mic? Ooh. It's very rich. <laughs> rich, creamy. 
I've been waiting for somebody that we knew to get one of those mics because they're supposed to be really good. They are. It is awesome. (sighs) As I eat my dehydrated apples. It makes you you sound a lot more like Scott. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. No, seriously. Like the the first time you spoke, I had to think for a second and go, "Wait, what's wrong? It's weird." My dog is so funny. <laughs> she thinks she's clever. She thinks she's like really clever and a master criminal. And we see, and we see through it like really quick. Um, um, I was telling Scott, I do have one fast food thing to talk about. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Well, that's a very popular. Mayi was uh, um, was talking about how that's one of his favorite parts of the show now. Uh, <laughs> and this is going to be a first for me on any podcast. So I have, I'm going to be doing something that I've never done on a podcast before. So that's going to be fun to talk about too. So oh, you should have been on our Star Trek Five. That was the podcast of firsts last night. Yeah, <laughs> we had a fun with that. Uh, actually, I really. I really want to rewatch that film beginning to end because you guys changed my mind on the motion picture. That's how so it, we prefaced the episode, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't hate it when I saw it. I just didn't really like it. So I'm kind of wondering if I would like it more now with all of my mind being changed about certain things about Star Trek. But that one I saw in the theater with my grandfather. Summer of 89 when I was down here visiting. And we went to see... Me and my grandparents went to see a shitload of movies that summer. <laughs> saw Batman and Indiana Jones and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Ghostbusters 2 and Star Trek 5. Wow. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get into this shit. All right. Where the hell are my notes? <clears throat> <laughs> oh Stop Jesus! <clears throat> I apologize. Cl- close right. enough for union work. I <laughs> the piss like yeah, a Yeah, I'll be right horse. back. Uh huh. Right, I'll be back. This is like a goddamn race I will join him in spirit. Hello. What? <laughs> I think this is shaping up to be a good episode. Well, uh, um, time-wise, an hour and a half in that segment. So, that's for not a bad. Comic, no, for a comic monthly Monday, we're we're zipping right along. That's good. And we covered a lot of lot of ground. We did. I've been trying to rein us in without sounding too much like I'm reining us in. You know what I mean? No, you're doing a good job of it. If we could yeah, be, I, if we could be wrapped and and out by uh, by three at the absolute latest, I would be thrilled because that will give me just enough time to get decent sleep for work tomorrow, and that makes me happy. You would not believe how ungodly freaking hot it has been here, man. I have just I have been leaving work every day just ringing wet. It's unbelievable. We just got a. It's been really hot here, and we just got a 
a break from it, but now it's like it's hot, but it's only like 80s, but it's been clammy, humid. <laughs> clammy. Everything's on the shelf. It's all on the shelf. Is Mike back? He's close. I hear him. I can smell his brains. <sighs> Man, I'm so excited. Oh, about you're sitting those. there eating in my ear, and I'm sitting here starving to death. Ridges. I am so hungry, but I can't eat because I can't flip through my comics if I have, like, like sticky or greasy fingers, so I can't eat anything. I didn't see... What? What? Uh, what? So I was thinking next week, guys, we could do. Uh, have, Mike, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? No. I was thinking next week, like a wonder, like that would be a good fourth week show is Wonder Woman, or we could do like a Wonder Woman Captain America. Extravaganza. Yeah, do a patriotic extravaganza, Wonder oh. Woman and Captain America. Yeah, a DC and a Marvel red, white, and blue character. Hmm. What do you think, Mike? I'm trying to think of how the week's shaping up. Pencil me in. All right. <laughs> I'll have my easy. people I, call your people. Well, I know. I know. Shag is Shag is down with like I. I was putting out feelers for Wonder Woman, and Shag was definitely wanted to do it. Um, Luke Jack and Eddie was into it. Maybe the hair metal hero and Luke just ripped us a new asshole over on uh, on, uh, (laughs) Tales of the JSA. Jesus Christ! Did he? Yeah, he did. Well, he has strong. He's he's he reminds me of you a lot (laughs) in a lot of ways. He's got he's he's got some strong opinions. No, I didn't. I did not see that. No, it was in the Tales of the JSA stuff. It's Bert from Sesame Street. (laughs) I was just looking at this description in more detail. Grab some popcorn, put put in the movie, and then listen to Scott Chris talk all the way through it. <laughs> That's basically what it what we're asking That's people funny. to do. That is very funny. We ought to Did do I one sometime you? as a joke where we start talking and then we have someone go, Hey, shut up down there, and then we just be quiet through the whole movie and like eat popcorn. Oh, um, you guys, at your earliest convenience, need to watch this. Uh-oh. It's a safety video from the late 90s. It's a fucking horror movie where they show arms and fingers and stuff oh, being I, ripped off. I think I've seen it. I, I love those things. 
<laughs> those movies those movies are awesome those are like darwin those are like nature shows to me you know it's just like let's watch ah, a cavalcade God of really it, stupid loud ah right, quiet youtube you bastard scott workplace safety should not be quiet <laughs> Oh, I want to see this. Ah! <laughs> crush him! Crush him! <laughs> oh, this is like those old uh, We've Got It, Let's Use It commercials. I used to yeah. love that shit. <laughs> That's it. Fall, you fucking retard. Maybe you'll bounce out <laughs> I forgot ladder, but... about oh, We've he Got gets It, Let's Use It. Ow! Ow! Isn't it great? I was just dying laughing so hard. Yeah. Doink! Right in the eye. Well, the, I think these guys that make industrial videos, you know... They make industrial... Oh! Dear lordy! Oh, that's no way to lose a finger. Yes, oh, yes, oh, yes! <laughs> I love them. They set up a scenario, and then they give you enough time to figure out what's going to happen to this poor schlob. No! Wait a second. No, no, no! <laughs> but these guys who make the industrial videos, when they get to make these ones, they must go nuts. And then I'll just... I really want to... I really want to make an anti-sexual harassment one that ends kind of like with like fucking Robert De Niro from from <laughs> that one where come out come out wherever you are governor <laughs> counselor where I know you there oh. counselor oh. Did you see the one where the tank comes through the window and smacks the guy in the jaw? No, I just saw the woman like, get her foot liquefied. No, it's, a, it's a little bit past that one. You're going to laugh your ass off. Don't like some of these look like scenarios for Bill Bixby turning into the Incredible Yes! yes. Oh, yes! <laughs> oh, yes, explode, yes. <laughs> Oh, this is fucking awesome. Right in the fucking eye. Stupid shit. <laughs> what did you expect was going to happen? <laughs> you got to look, see what might happen to you. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Yeah, that one dude, though, hitting and getting hit with the steam. I half expected him to turn around with the white fucking eyes. <laughs> He drove the fucking forklift right off the back of the truck. Oh, wait. Oh, yes. Here it comes. That's it. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Ah, oh. <laughs> no, that foot shot is priceless. Dang, nabbit. I'm throwing my gloves in the machine. I... Oh, yes! 
Got him right on. Oh. <laughs> that hits me like a ton of bread. No. The fact that the the one with the, oh, the ball of fire. The the black guy, it's like the stuff falls on him and it's like, oh, it's like, but it's not that, enough. That, to that's drop it. Cut into head. that fucking gas tank and blow your stupid ass up. And then you see all these guys going, you gotta be <laughs> smart on the job. And you're looking at all of them going, is that even possible? <laughs> what if you're not smart to begin with? This is the funniest shit I've ever seen. I told you you would like it. <laughs> no, because I quit. <laughs> the guy putting the blowtorch to the explosive. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> oh, we have Jesus. to make one. <laughs> we have to make one of these called "Now You're Dead, Dumbass." <laughs> Or, or how about this? Where's your fingers, dumbass? <laughs> I swear to God, if I ever had to watch these, they would fire me right then and there because I would just. <laughs> oh, 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 Jesus. <laughs> I haven't seen the end of this. My God. Why is he bloody before anything hits him? <laughs> hey, I didn't know that the lead singer of ZZ Top worked in uh, in that industrial experience. Oh, yeah. So was that That's worth it, it, Scott? They all look like ZZ that Top. That's hysterical. <laughs> now you're dead, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god damn it, that was funny. Oh my god, we have to I'm I'm gonna write one. I, I, I've gotta I've gotta write it. I got the camera. I know people who know how to make gore and have people like you know, they, they do they're like feeding something into the machine and they're not paying attention and then they walk away and they slip on a banana peel or something <laughs> like that, you know, and crack their head open or something. <laughs> Or, you know, they have a heart attack and it's like, don't eat McDonald's five times a week or whatever. That is... But, but I swear to God, most of those looked... I, I swear to God, I thought they were going to turn around and they were going to have the white eyes and you were going to hear the... Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I wonder what would happen if you're in orientation class for your new job and they pull that fucking thing out and show it to you, and you sit there and just start fucking dying. The teacher probably would have a freak out. It's probably a pet peeve of the teacher, just like, God damn it, this isn't funny. <laughs> would, they, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, 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 you don't understand. It is. Do <laughs> you think this would be funny if this happened while you were on the job? No, if it, it would didn't be happen to me. Yes. But, 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 looks... but you know, ma'am, do, do, do you know what comedy is? Mel Brooks defines comedy as tragedy is I stub my toe. Comedy is you fall down a manhole, uh, open manhole cover and die. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
It, it looks like you know. It looks like the clip show from the Darwin Awards or something. It's it's absolutely hysterical. I love it. You sent it. Tell her that you sent it to me. Make me sound like the. <laughs> no, I was just warning the woman with post traumatic stress syndrome about breaking <clears throat> to not watch the video. All right, the dog, the dog told him to post the video. <laughs> would you? Would you? Boo is not going to tell us to go on a cross-country killing spree. She might. They they do that sometimes. <laughs> we were going to kill anybody. If you, some, no, I'm not going to say that on on tape. <laughs> I'm I am recording right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. recording too. And so am I. So no. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this puppy up. You know you're <laughs> podcasting with people who podcast too much when everyone's rolling tape. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. <laughs> all right, somebody bring this bitch back in and hand it off to me. All right, uh, all right. Oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs>